You're listening to episode 240 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. I don't know if you guys have been seeing this, but it's the latest thing that's setting Twitter on fire. Uh, all the spoilers for the new movie Corella came out, and it's a new way of trying to make mm. a new sympathetic villain. Mm. I'm not going to spoil what it is, but it's basically like, uh, you know, if... Batman's parents were killed by a bunch of clowns or mm-hmm. like if you know Lex Luthor's parents were killed by a bunch of Kryptonians I'm really glad can you I, brought this can up. Can I spoil it? <laughs> can I spoil it? Sean, can I spoil it? Uh I think Phil just did. <laughs> Cruella Deville's origin story is that her parents were eaten by Dalmatians. <laughs> I'm I'm really glad you brought this up Phil because it's important. With this revelation, um, I was wondering what joke killed your parents. Oh, no! <laughs> it was, in fact, a falling anvil and a piano. <laughs> Rough. So why you think crime is so funny, Phil? That's right. Crime Ugh. is something to laugh at. Um, yeah, uh, the way we make Cruella de Vil, who's a villain who uh, skins puppies... Sympathetic is by having her parents killed by uh, Dalmatians. Have you guys seen the either the film or a clip of this? It's I, I saw so a, funny. I saw a uh, pirated clip of it. I think someone literally pulled out their camera in the theater. Uh, she literally get her her mother gets pushed off a cliff by Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 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 like if I was in that writing room and pitching uh like. How do we make comic, this character a comic pals intro? It was like it was pa- it's like I'm pitching a comic pals intro. <laughs> Every week, Disney is just like Sean. He goes, "All right, we'll let him do it." <laughs> At the same time, they're taking notes. It's, wow, it's just wild to me. Behind every like. I imagine behind every bad decision like that that gets made creatively that there's just some coked up executive who like someone comes in and pitches this and they're just sitting there for a second like yes <laughs> that's the that's the idea <laughs> that really sparked a whole conversation online though didn't it's it huge about, um, you know sympathetic villains and stuff like that and I think people are taking this a little too seriously I think it's a stupid you know certainly a stupid concept but, <laughs> yeah um I think people are taking it a little too seriously. It's it's you know a movie about a, a villain that obviously people cared enough about for her to get a solo movie, but uh, you know the movie's called 101 Dalmatians, right? Like I don't care what the villain's origin is. <laughs> it's not uh yeah, and it doesn't like even if you th- try to connect the dots, so to speak. Oh, the <laughs> like the through line oh there. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the the through line there doesn't make sense. Like she wants the Dalmatians because they're they would make a fashionable coat, not because they she has an intense hatred for them. That's interesting because it's like I will wear the thing I hate most. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like Batman, just like Batman. Bats killed his parents. <laughs> Do you think in Cruella too she starts biting crime? <laughs> Well, I actually think she would make a great Batman villain. She even has You're right. henchmen. Yeah. Holy shit. Um, it, she has nice. a gimmick in everything. Like, it, it's funny. <laughs> I'm pitching that. It, Dis- yeah, right. Disney was trying to make a Harley Quinn movie, and they did it. They just did it. 
The mad people over there at the yeah. House of Mouse just did it. She's got an animal theme, right? She would be she would be a Spider-Man. <laughs> the Dalmatian. <laughs> my, no, I haven't seen this movie, but I watched a review of it. My understanding is there's a lot of things in there that implies that they are trying to make like an expanded universe or multiple movies related to this. Yeah, of course. That's nutty. The Cruella that's how, that's how movies work. Nowadays, yeah. Right. Here's here's my thing though, and oh, Sean God, will appreciate dude. this. It's the last one, I promise. I'll let you get the show on track. Can you imagine, Sean? You get to the end of Cruella 2, right? Pan out, and it's Maleficent <laughs> and Pete, and it's like, we want to talk to you about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 4 I'm starting a team You know what man It's called Kingdom Hearts I'm all in dude But it's gotta be animated That's the only thing Okay You can't have a a live action Kingdom Hearts movie Emma Stone says otherwise you just commit. You hard commit. <laughs> but who, who's gonna play Mickey? Like, how do you get? The, how do you do full that? CGI? And it's it's uh it's what's his name? The guy who does uh no no the guy from um from Planet of the Apes yeah, and Andy then he Serkis. was in- Andy Circus. Andy oh, yeah. is that what you yeah, said? I'm that's sorry. Yeah. That's Andy Circus. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Andy Circus plays Mickey Mouse. We just lean into it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you sold me. Full is Woody, obviously. Full mocap Mickey is just a scary idea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, You know, we we actually have a lot of things to talk about on this show, believe it or not, today. Uh, It's not just going to be all about (laughs) Disney movies and Kingdom Hearts. And casting Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) Maybe uh, it should be, though. That sounds like a great episode. We got our first true good look at Eternals. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that trailer. We know who's going to play Craven in a solo movie, if you can believe it or not. Uh, there's a uh, an allegation going around that the uh, the manga Demon Slayer outsold the entire U.S. comics industry. Hell yeah! And we're going to be we're going to be talking about uh, whether or not comics fans even like comic books. I so don't. We, 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 I, I know you don't. We've got a lot to talk about on this week's show. Uh, before we get into all that, of course, I do want to let you guys know where you can find the show all over the internet and how you can support it. If you want to support the podcast, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast, we're there. So check us out. While you're doing that, make sure that you hit the follow button and like this podcast. Uh, if you happen to be listening to us on YouTube... Hit the subscribe button. It's free to do. Share the video with your friends. Like the video. Drop us a comment. All those things are free and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. If you want to chat with us, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can also join our Discord server where we're always having fun and engaging conversations over there. Uh, point of fact, I have actually muted the Weeb Central channel so I no longer have to be confronted Probably by the right vicious and violent imagery. Uh, that is associated with that channel. I'm done with it. I'm no longer interested. It's just weeb stuff. It's been it's been one person of uh, vomiting. That's it. <laughs> just it's, one. It's been one picture. 
That's more and, than that I need. I have seen more than enough, well, Sean, frankly. After this episode, you might have to read Demon Slayer, huh? Uh, no, I won't be doing that. <laughs> we do have a new book club out, uh, dropped this past Tuesday. That is our Jupiter's Legacy, Jupiter's Circle book club. We reviewed the entire shebang. Uh, so if you want to hear us talk about the show or the book that just got a Netflix show, uh, then go check that out. We had a good time with that. That was actually a listener submission, uh, which it worked out because the show came out too. So that was uh, pretty perfect. But uh, Viltrum Warrior uh, recommended that one. So thank you very much, Viltrum Warrior. Uh, it was a good. It was a good time. Good conversation. Um, go check it out for our thoughts. And then also Jupiter's Requiem mm. is dropping really soon too. So if you guys want to hear us continue speaking about that universe of stories, uh, let us know because we can review that on our review show, which of course we drop the review show every single Sunday. And then our image reviews drop day and date every Wednesday. So check that out. Interestingly um, enough about the Jupiter's Legacy book club, we actually have a com- conversation there about sympathetic villains. <laughs> We do. Yeah. That is true. I think we have that conversation, though, very often. Uh, speaking of our review show, if you're interested in our thoughts about Strange Adventures number 10, X-Men 20, Robin number 2, or Beta Ray Bill number 3, uh, head on over to there, to our review show, which it's out now, and you can listen to our thoughts about those books. Uh, some really, really good stuff there. And you know what else? We've got listener comments. We've got listener comments. You guys oh are killing it. You've been very consistent with the commentary. We really appreciate that. Um, let's get into it. Pete, take it away. All right. So this first one, or uh, th- this batch of comments here uh, comes from episode 239 over on YouTube. This first one comes from dope underscore comics who said, keep it up, guys. Good show. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, dude. Appreciate, appreciate it. thank you for your honest praise uh this next one comes from garrett harshman who said would you guys ever consider a crossover with another comic book youtube channel i.e comic pop variant comic story or comics explained yes uh, yeah absolutely absolutely. (laughs) if there's a channel that you guys want us to cross over with uh, let us know. Let them know. Mm. You know, make it happen. Speak, yeah. speak our name. Speak our name. Yeah, honestly, Garrett, I think uh, you, the listener, have a lot more power in making something like that happen than we do. So, yeah, if you feel that way, reach out to them and us and let them know that you want to see us do some stuff together. We would be happy to collab with anybody who's cool. We're trying to create an extended pals universe, so you know exactly, exactly. We gotta, we gotta start Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this next one comes from uh, a, a new listener, newer listener, um, but already a legend in the community. Definitely not Sean Soapbox, who wrote in and said, cool, "I think Rebecca due to the m- again. <laughs> <laughs> I think due to the multiple bad intros from Phil, the next episode should start off with the roast of Phil Casey, and in the end, have a replica Stanley Cup shipped to him." Uh, I you know what that means to me is that. The only time I ever bring hockey up on this show is at the very end, very rarely. That tells me definitely not Sean Soapbox listens through the entirety of your show, so I appreciate it's a real, that. It's a real fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the replica Stanley Cup, and I'll take a victory lap, damn it. The roast of Phil Casey. I love that. 
Um, that's something that we might have to do as a summer event. So stay tuned. pay per view. Yeah, last year we did the Newlywed show for what episode two hundred or whatever. Maybe for episode three hundred, we do a roast of May. Two fifty. I, I don't want to wait that I long. I don't want to wait that long. Yeah, that's yeah. That's 60 episodes from now. I might be dead. We need to get to it. <laughs> 250. That's coming up close. That gives me enough time to prepare my material, but not so long that I, you know, well, I he could said, still die. I he guess. said, I might be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, definitely not Sean Soapbox added to this. Kale deserves an original Rob Liefeld foot close up. <laughs> okay. Gonna, I'll make bank off that Rob Liefeld foot. Don't even think. So. That, of course, you know, there's a storyline mm-hmm. here. Last week, uh, Kale was very, very harsh toward me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, this this tremendous listener, this kind soul, uh, you know, wrote in and praised me. And Kale, you know, didn't support that. And, uh, you know, Kale, I really feel like you were being pretty harsh, man. Uh, listen, I listened back. And I don't think I was harsh enough. Oh. I asked for an honest assessment, and you did not give it to me. So, I feel like Sean and I, we get all the feedback from the listeners. You know, this is the first time you get mentioned, Kale, and all you're getting for it is a close-up of a Rob Uh, Liefeld foot. Hold on. You're talking to the number five fan here? This is not the first feedback I've ever gotten. (laughs) That's actually funny. Um, But... You know, Kale, I resent the idea that you keep saying that this is Rebecca writing in. First of all, uh, she would never write. Do you mean? Do you mean resent or represent? Resent because uh, I guarantee you she wouldn't write in. I guarantee you she doesn't know who George Perez is. Uh, That is just crazy to even think about. I'd I'd be very happy if Rebecca knew who George Perez is. Um, and frankly, you know, I'll repeat this again. I think you're being really harsh, man. Yep. Listen, I'm not going to back down. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not that good. Listen. At listen, what? Hey, listen. Hosting? <laughs> you're a fine host. You really are. I, am, I admire fine. your ability. You do, you do good work. But you are not George Perez level good. I, I'm going to reiterate what we told you last week is all you deserve is art from me, Kale. Listen, I'll draw you a pair of feet because I know you love feet. I'm gonna get that out there. I'm gonna make the listeners not, know that you love feet. I. What do you? What's you think happening? You think you're hurting me? No, I'm helping you. I know what I'm worth. Garbage. I, I'll Less tell than you garbage. What. I think that the fact that I have been validated by the audience <laughs> speaks for me more than anything that I can say for myself. So definitely not Sean Soapbox. Thank you so much. <laughs> really appreciate the kind words, my friend. And Kale, suck it. Two words. Still right. still not an honest assessment. I'll tell you what, though. Not everyone is pleased <laughs> with this podcast. Oh, I have and, had it up uh, to here with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on this show, you know, we... we uh, we're obviously very opinionated people, and as it turns out, so are you guys, and we appreciate that. So, uh, Pete, why don't you read this negative comment that we received? Sure, yeah, we got we got negged. 
Uh, this, this comes from Kaylin Berriman over on our uh, Radiant Black number four review. Uh, and Kaylin said, Rough show, guys. The hate for Radiant Black is pretty out there. It's one thing to not love the direction, but to say that it's quote unquote sucked up until now is just asinine. It hasn't sucked. The scripts are objectively good. They're well written. Anyone who knows writing can tell you that. The art is fantastic. You come off as very shallow readers here. You didn't quote unquote waste your time with one protagonist for three issues. You were reading a story. You were getting to know Nathan and Marshall, learning about them and their relationship. Uh, with Nathan dead and Marshall left holding the powers of Radiant, his experience with his experience with experiences with Nathan informed the story going forward. This is how long form storytelling works. Were you guys bashing Ultimate Spider Man when that came out too? So, Pete, be honest with us. Were you so frustrated with the four of us being exhausted with Radiant Black that you decided to write under a pseudonym <laughs> to tell us why we're wrong and why Phil, we're quote unquote shallow readers? Definitely Phil, not loud underscore P. <laughs> yeah, it's not definitely not. <laughs> Come on, I would, I would, I would have to keep the bit going. Yeah. Isn't the isn't the name in all caps too? He couldn't even hide his volume in the in the in the pseudonym. <laughs> yeah uh so it's funny because i i actually replied to this comment because i was like you know man uh did you listen to the whole conversation because i i said i liked it we we actively praised the art and you're going here like we lambasted the art too and it's like that didn't happen ever um the one thing we've been um not critical of the entire series has been the art yeah, um, we've all had a nuanced opinions on this too. Uh, it's been a spectrum of, of opinions. I mean, you can blast like one or two people have been outspokenly negative toward it. Like, I think Kale has been frustrated. I know Sean's been exhausted with it. Uh, but you know, I, I've been. I think we've all been patient with it, though. At the very least, you can say it's been four issues. Look, first of all, if you're going to blast us, at least do it appropriately. You're saying that we said it sucked. Right. Kale said it sucked. Okay, so I never I... want to receive the hate or the heat that that should be directed at Kale. <laughs> Give Kale all the curses; he deserves them. Kale that doesn't aside, remember anything, so it won't hurt me. Uh, <laughs> I I I think that you know uh, you don't get to tell me whether I wasted my time or not. <laughs> quite frankly, if I feel like I did, then I did, and that's just the way it is. Um. Things also can't be objectively good. Yeah. That's not how taste works. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you said we come off as shallow readers, you come off as arrogant. Ooh, and condescending. Um, and yes. So, you know, lots to learn, right? Um and I don't care if uh Nathan or I'm not gonna spoil anything. Well, I guess it's kind of already been spoiled. Yeah. Um, but I don't care if he comes back. Because I already feel like I wasted my time. There, I said it again. Big deal. Um, did I bash Ultimate Spider-Man when that came out too? I suppose you're referring to the fact that Peter died. And of course not. You know why? Because it was a story that unfolded over the course of many, many years. Over a hundred issues? Yeah, yeah. These are totally comparable situations. They're, they're not in any way the same thing. Like, could you, like, you could, you could use that same idea to, to, to port in any time that a hero has died. It's not one to one. It's just one event that's the same, but the circumstances are completely different. Unless, so no, I wasn't mad about that. Unless he means like the first four issues of Ultimate Spider-Man, and like that's what I took. In which yeah. case, in, I don't remember. That was like two thousand three or yeah. something. 
I was what eleven. To those he got his yeah. powers right. Like I, well, I, don't I think know. that's what he's insinuating. It's a slow burn or something. Where he, he's like, it's storytelling. Look how that paid out. Paid off. I don't know. First of yeah. all, I read the first the first issue of Ultimate Spider Man that I read was like fifty something. Okay, so <laughs> I had no context for how it started, and then when I went back and read them, I already knew what was going to happen. So obviously, I didn't care about how it started. I have no idea how I felt about it because that was a really long time ago. I can only tell you what I feel now. And by the way, these podcasts would be really boring if. All five of us came on here and said, hmm, you know what? I'm going to wait it out and see what happens. <laughs> For every single issue. This is a show. And do I personally feel that invested in Radiant Black? No. If it wasn't for this podcast, I wouldn't read it. But I have to and I have to have comments and opinions. So you're getting that. Um, but I will say this. I will give you uh, uh, positive praise. I appreciate the fact that you wrote in. Okay. And I appreciate the fact that you were honest because similarly, I don't need all the praise in the world. I can receive and accept some criticism as long as you can too. <laughs> Thank you. And I can't, for- so keep it to your damn self. That's right. Kel's got thin skin. Um, Thanks for writing in, Kalen. Uh, if, we haven't, if, we, if we haven't lost you yet, uh, hopefully you'll uh, appreciate our thoughts on Radium Black 5 a little bit more. Yeah, keep coming back so Sean can roast your ass. I'm all for that. <laughs> it's all good fun, right? We're talking about funny books. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, uh, I, I get it as good as I give it, so it's okay. But as I have said before on this podcast, and I will repeat it again, when you come at the king... <laughs> You best not miss. <laughs> and with that, we will get into the Palace Pulls. Uh, Kale called out DC Horror Presents The Conjuring, The Lover, number one. What a terrible oh. name for a book. Yeah. So, yeah, so this this is DC's new horror line, I guess, mm-hmm. which they're calling DC Horror Presents. That's okay. That part's okay. Well, yeah, so I guess the whole title is DC Horror presents The Conjuring. That part not so great. The, the lover. lover. Yeah, that part yeah. not so great. <laughs> Whatever. So it's a tie-in to The Conjuring uh, films, which normally I would avoid like The Plague. However, I really like The Conjuring films. Um, and I recently have uh, read a lot of uh, film analysis about them. And um, so I'm very interested. And also, the fact that The Conjuring is the only set of films that has started like a Warren family paranormal universe is insane to me because the Warrens are rife with crazy material. Oh, they're like a con artist kind of actually. They're yeah. Yeah. They're quote unquote paranormal investigators. Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, trema- their, inc- their story is incredible. Um, highly recommend. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm actually interested. Sounds interesting, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with the Amityville Horror, like in Long Island? Yeah, no. my name. Oh, that's yeah. That's that was their like big thing was uh, yeah. uh, that house. This married couple went and investigated it. It's like a well-known um, exorcism. Yeah, case. Well, yeah, and like it's like well, I was gonna say it's like a well-known hoax. Like the family like yeah. lied about yes. it. Yes. Not that every exorcism story is a lie. It's just this one is has been has been outed, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Warrens like like kind of risk like their whole like reputation on it, and like they come off with they're basically shysters. 
but their yeah. their reputations have like uh, lasted through cinema. They're in all these Conjuring type movies and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, James Wan, yeah, does I think directs them. Mm-hmm. Damn, um, they're incredible. Guess I gotta watch it. You gonna get scared, my man. You just sold me more on a movie than a comic in the past. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what this book is about. I just know it's set in the Conjuring verse, so I'm gonna give it a shot. Sean, Kale already told us that he doesn't like comics. Fair enough. Uh, he also chose Skull Digger and Skeleton Boy Volume One. Guess what? It's a Black Hammer tie-in. Ah. Uh, I don't know what this one's about either. Uh, it's a Jeff Lemire and. Tonsi Zonyik, I think is how you say his name. Um, I think it's Black Hammer's, it seems like Black Hammer's uh, Batman and Robin. I actually have avoided this one like the plague so I could go in fresh, uh, but I'm very excited it's finally out. So uh, go jump on it unless you live where my comic book shop is in. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> uh, Pete chose The Swamp Thing number four. Yeah, um, we've been talking a lot about the Swamp Thing. You can go check our reviews of the first three books. Um, it is, <clears throat> it has maintained its status as one of my favorite books I'm pulling right now. Um, I think Rom V and and Mike um, uh, Perkins are are doing, and then Spicer, Mike Spicer on on colors as well. Um, just a fucking dynamite creative team. Um, and I'm, I'm really digging what they've been doing there. And, uh, if you've missed our reviews, go check those out. We also had the, um, the privilege of getting to have Rom V on, on a main episode of the show. And then we had Mike Spicer on for an interview as well. I'm sorry, uh, Perkins, (laughs) um, for an interview as well. Um, so if you want to listen to them talk about some of the process behind the book and everything, um, some really, really great illuminating conversations there. So, uh, I'm excited to see number four. I'm kind of like bummed that we're so far through it already you know (laughs) well uh the positive is that if the book is performing well we'll definitely get a season two yeah they have even Mm -hmm. crazier ideas according to both of them for season two so yeah yeah so pick it up um i really love this book we've all enjoyed it um if you go listen to our reviews i don't really think we've had a bad word to say about it so um if swamp thing is your jam or it's a character that you're not familiar with and you want a good jumping on point um i think this is both of those things so uh go show your support and let's get a season two very early in uh i know that that matters to people i know it matters to me this book is only four issues in you can easily get the rest of the issues, and you don't have to be, you know, Marco level Swamp Thing fan no. to appreciate the story being told. I mean, I think, I think even even still, it it just based on what happened in the last issue, it seems like issue four will be sort of the the catch up on Swamp Thing's whole overall deal. So this this even this will probably be a great jumping on point. I think it's a book that. If you have the knowledge, you ben- you benefit from it, but you definitely don't need it to appreciate what is good about it, because just the mechanics of it are very good. Indeed. Uh, you also chose Marauders number 21. Yeah, so there's this, and I think it's two other books this week, I think, it, that are the the start of the Hellfire tie-ins. Um, and I know, like, we've got all the fun, like, Hellfire alternate covers, like, starting to come out and everything. So, you know, we're kind of in the lead up to that. Um, we, you know, we've talked a lot about Marauders on the show and that, like, it's kind of been a mixed bag. 
Um, but I, I am very excited by the Hellfire Gala and, and I am eager to start kind of seeing some of those threads, um, come together. Uh, I guess threads is technically a pun there, nice. huh? Cause it's a fashion show. That's good as the dots anyway. with the Dalmatians, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Not as good, but pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Hellfire Gala is really the, the headline here for me is like, I'm, I'm excited for that and I'm excited to start getting the hype for it. What do you got to wear? Can't I can't tell you now? Please, I'm gonna surprise please. you. Are we gonna do something, guys? Are we gonna do something? <laughs> uh, I just sure. need to know. I, yes, I might dress up. Who's to say? <laughs> it, like I said, if you guys want to do that, feel free. Make we'll do it. Thing. We'll do it. Sounds right. good. We'll make a. We'll make a. We'll make a a, a a messenger thread so we can we can chat about it. When sounds good. When when is the uh, Hellfire Gala start? Proper? Yeah. Um, I think it starts with Planet Size X-Men, which drops June 16th. I know this because that is my birthday. Oh. Oh, right. Okay. Well, you are going to have a bad birthday, my friend. I'm, I'm going to start preparing Jeez. for this. I'm going to be real pretty. I pulled Basilisk number one. This is by Cullen Bunn with art by Jonas Scharf. Now, I am no like fan of Cullen Bunn. I'm not not a fan, but I'm not, you know, just don't have a relationship to him. And uh, he did some X-Men stuff that I didn't think was, I didn't enjoy it. Um, but I did enjoy, uh, he has that one horror book uh, we read when we interviewed Tyler Crook. What was the horror book? Kale, you would probably know it. Uh, Mark was Harrow a big County. fan of Cullen. Harrow County. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. I was Marco, say, yes. That's, He's a big fan of that the, book. Marco yeah, loves that book, yeah. yeah. It's a tremendous book. That was quite good. So uh, this is a number one. I'm taking the plunge. Love horror. So I want to give this a a shot. Um, And uh, I'll quickly read you guys the description of the book. Uh, Who can stop the chimera? Five individuals bound by a cult-like hive mind. They terrorize small towns with their horrifying supernatural sense-based powers, leaving death and destruction in their wake. Regan, one of the Chimera, escaped and has been in hiding, with her murderous eyes bound, overcome with guilt, until now, when a victim from her past forces her to hunt down the other four of her kind. Hell that yeah, sounds dude. pretty cool. That yeah, that does sound good. Awesome. Yes. Um, so, I'm looking forward to that. I could use some more horror in, in my comics. Uh, we've been reviewing the Silver Coin, which has been very good, and... Uh, I'm I'm down for this. It's a boom book also. So boom with probably another winner on their hands. Seems that uh, way. I'd love to see it. Yeah. I also want to uh, highlight Nice House on the Lake, number one. This is a black label book coming from James Tinian the Fourth. Right. Yes. And Alvaro Martinez Bueno on art. Uh, another horror book. This one is also seems interesting. Everyone who was invited to the house knows Walter. Well, they know him a little anyway. Some met him in childhood, some met him months ago, and Walter's always been a little off. But after the hardest year of their lives, nobody was going to turn down Walter's invitation to an astonishingly beautiful house in the woods overlooking an enormous sylvan lake. It's beautiful, it's opulent, it's private. So a week off, putting up with Walter's weird little schemes and nicknames and in exchange for the vacation of a lifetime, why not? All of them 
were at that moment in their lives when they could feel themselves pulling away from their other friends. Wouldn't a chance to reconnect be nice? Interesting. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I'm definitely, definitely, again, itching for more horror. James Tinian said that he considers himself to be a horror writer. So let's see what happens when he puts his money where his mouth is. Definitely down for this. I but, mean, uh, yeah, go ahead. Because I mean, it's something is killing the children, right? Another really hot horror. That's a horror book as well, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah definitely. Cool. Um, I want to. I want to put this out there. I want to put this out there. You guys know I've got the the um, the Comics Palace Challenge, right? Where you know, if you look at our list of book clubs and you can't find one that you like, you write in and you let us know, and we will uh, do one of your picks. You you pick a book, we'll do it. I'm putting out another challenge. I'm starting a new challenge. Oh. Yeah. This Go is on. the this is the Sean challenge, Ooh. right? So, what I want, what I'm saying here is I I go to Midtown every week and I buy books every week. But I buy the books that I'm interested in and, you know, I want to diversify. So, if you have a book that you want me to read, that is not a manga. <laughs> important distinction. Saw, saw me about important. to chime in there, huh? And it is a weekly release. It cannot be some trade or whatever. I'm not going to drop 20 bucks for your you know, weird book. Um, <laughs> I will read it, whatever it is. As long as it fits within that criteria, I will read it. And if you do that every single week, whatever book it is, I will come into this segment and I will speak about the book that you uh, recommended me to read. Wow. Sean will burn your house down. <laughs> Give me your address. And I will <laughs> I'll fucking burn your house down. That is uh, yeah. a threat. <laughs> that's that's the Sean Soapbox Challenge. Hmm. Take it if you will. That'll uh, be tough. And, uh, hmm? That'll be tough. Why? Week, a weekly book or a monthly, I guess, a regular, a regular issue mm-hmm. that you would like that yeah that i'm or, not already reading and my my pull list is very large so yeah uh you know take that challenge if you will we'll put that out on the discord as well um i'm open to it if you guys have got some recommendations for me all right definitely not sean's soapbox uh good luck finding a uh, monthly george perez book for sean to read because i don't think he's very <laughs> active these days He's going to be right. on Teen Titans Go on the next uh, on the next Teen Titans Go. He and Marv Wolfman. Oh. I just saw that. Uh, there you go. That's pretty cool. We're gonna we're gonna get into the news here, and we're gonna actually start with our thoughts on the Eternals teaser that dropped this week. So I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen so that you guys can watch along with us. If you are watching on YouTube, uh, we've got some thoughts about this hot new trailer that lit the internet ablaze this week so if you guys are ready let's get into it buckle in here we go this might take an eternity i get it (laughs) nice uh all this beautiful stuff you're seeing right now all this water all this this you know stuff is actually um this was all real they shot on location uh yeah the director um she uh she enforced that I'm forgetting her name right this minute. There are some real nice drone shots <laughs> in this trailer. That's not real, I'm assuming. Whatever that craziness Wait, is what? that just came in. <laughs> 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 
Thank you. Thank you. Chloe Zhao, yes. Chloe Zhao. Zhao or Zhao? It's probably Zhao, actually. It's with an H. I don't know. Okay, yeah, it's probably Zhao then, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no kidding. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, they just showed uh, Gemma Chan. Gem- Gemma Chan, yeah. Yeah, she, uh, she, if she looks familiar to you, she played Minerva hmm. in uh, Guardians. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're jumping around time a lot here, it looks like. Definitely. They are eternal after That's all. That's right. So. Yeah. Um, lots of really cool shots. The movie, the this trailer doesn't give you a lot to go by as far as, like, story. Um, everyone's favorite, Camille Nanjiani, right. dancing there. Fucking love that guy. I'm so excited to see him be a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Marvel, if you're listening, pay me to get in amazing shape for like six months. Please, please pay this doughy fucking podcaster that I am to become a superhero like you did with Kumail. <laughs> so, oh, and this is a little joke I remember about uh, leading the Avengers, right? Yeah, uh, they're joking about. God, I can never remember any of the Eternals' names. I know. Uh, Except for Jon Snow. <laughs> He's Black Knight. I know that. I can't but, remember any other characters. Who's, who's the main Eternal guy? Uh, Icarus. Icarus. That's mm. who that was. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, watching this trailer, the first thing I thought was, I have no idea what's happening. It's, it's a kind of an unusual teaser because... When you introduce us to something like the Eternals, which is a thing that even comic book fans aren't particularly familiar with. Uh, in fact, we had a bit back, you know, like 150 episodes ago where I was like, "What? Are, so what even are the Eternals? And we ripped on that for a while. Because the reality is, you know, especially for Jack Kirby concepts, I feel like this is one of the lesser known uh, kind of things in the Marvel Universe. So I, I, want, I went back and I watched the first trailer of Guardians of the Galaxy, and they do a really good job kind of just giving you the gist of what you're going to be dealing with. This is a lot more ambiguous. You know. Well, let's be fair before you go on. This is a teaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm aware. It's just... Let me ask you, though. Does, does this trailer intrigue you to want to see more? I don't know if it... You know, other than like maybe your interest in the MCU, I, I feel like that's what they're really leaning in on here. Is like you know people will just want to see more because it's MCU stuff. Uh, I, I, I was left feeling kind of like I still have no idea what's happening. I'm so good. I'm so glad you said that because there are a lot of people who have been ragging on people who didn't necessarily enjoy this teaser and. I don't really know that there was much here to enjoy. I don't think, I don't even really necessarily think that's the point of this teaser. I think the point of yeah. this teaser is to put this on your radar that this is a movie that's coming. We still haven't seen Black Widow. They're not going to give away the whole shebang here right now. Um, you know, they want us to, to kind of ruminate on it and ask those questions that you just brought up. So did I enjoy this teaser? No, but I don't think that that's bad. And I don't think that, that was necessarily the point. I think it was just to introduce us to some of the loose ideas that the movie is toying with and keep everything else reserved for a more appropriate time. But, you know, was this like a great teaser? I don't think so. I think a teaser, though, is kind of meant to at, like want you to see more. 
And I didn't feel really anything watching this teaser. I just watched it and I was like, okay, and I moved on. Like it, it didn't, it, I, for me, it didn't really light that intrigue as much. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm biased in this because like, I just generally don't care about teasers and trailers all that much. But like, I think especially when you're talking about teasers, like this reminds me a lot of our reaction to the Loki teasers, right? There were like two, I want to say Loki teasers before the first proper trailer. And we all pretty much echoed the exact same opinion of, yeah, like I'll watch this. Sure. I don't know if I need more Tom Hiddleston. I don't know that I care about this. This is the least interesting of the three. And then when we got the first actual trailer and it was actually like, talking about what it was going to be about and exploring like, oh, it's actually about time and this and that and whatever. Like we all expressed like, oh, it actually looks more interesting now. Um, You did, Phil. Uh, You did. So you might not be hyped for it, but you said that that trailer was more interesting to you. So I I feel like it's the same kind of thing with this where it's like, to Sean's point, this is the elevator pitch, right? This is, you've heard the name Eternals. That doesn't mean anything to you. Okay, well, here's some broad strokes look at them in costumes here's Angel- Annaline J- Annaline- angelina wow. angelina jolie angelina jolie um and great we'll show you more later okay cool i'll pay attention then yeah and also i think you know there's a big difference between marvel studios mm. um pre-guardians and marvel studios pre-eternals in the sense that yeah you know you're going to see the trailer for the full fledged trailer for Eternals. So they can bank on that now. Whereas with Guardians, I don't know that they had that much, as much cachet. Um, and, and, and by the way, this trailer, this teaser, uh, 77 million views. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, which at the time that it reached that number was, um, more views than pre pandemic, uh, films had gotten. So yep. that's pretty good. People are ready to go to the movie theater. I'll tell you what. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I think people are ready to see Marvel movies again, you know, and, and I think like to the, the point you just made about like pre guardians, right, Sean, the guardians had something to prove. Well, right. Everyone like kept joking that, Oh, this is going to be Marvel's first, you know, box office failure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's going to be black widow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think like with Eternals, like, I think Marvel knows that they don't need to sell us as much as they used to. Like we're in, you know, we're we're here, we're doing it. Like we we we're making an Eternals movie that says like how far we've come. You know, the, the other thing this trailer uh, elicits is kind of the thing that people have been saying about the X Men, where it's like, how will you be able to introduce the X Men in a very well established kind of universe like that? Uh, you know. Uh, the premise seems to be something along the lines of, oh, the Eternals are now kind of emerging to Earth or whatever because of an upcoming threat or whatever reason. And they've been around this entire time, perhaps, as it looks like, kind of guiding civilization softly with like a kind of a, you know, uh, soft stroke, so to speak. People are saying things like, well, where were they during the whole Thanos thing then? Yeah. So that's another question. Right. Yeah. I mean, they'll have to contextualize that. It is what it is, right? Like, you can ask the same question about anything, right? Like, where where was the, uh, you know, where where was the um, the immortal one when New York was under attack and one of the three sanctums could have been destroyed, right? Like, it, 
you can sit here and ask that question about anything and it's just like either suspend your disbelief or you don't they're <laughs> going to give us an explanation and you'll either accept it or you won't well this is the first time i think that uh moviegoers have really really been confronted overtly with that idea yeah um and this is something that comic book fans just naturally accept we get it um, so, uh, in this trailer, they specifically mentioned that the Eternals have stayed out of human issues, human conflicts until now. And I think that for, you know, people who don't have the context, it's perfectly acceptable that you're asking that question. But if you do, then you understand that the reason they're most likely now revealing themselves is because of Thanos and his activities. He's a deviant. Um, and, uh, you know, their their whole deal is dealing with deviance, you know. Um, so I think that that's what where that I think that's what's, you know, going to um, draw them out. So, yeah, interesting. We'll have more to say whenever the first, you know, official trailer drops. But, you know, for now, um, this didn't do too, too much for me. Weird to see Angelina Jolie, though, by the right. way. Uh, Dude, I was I was thinking about that the other day, like when I watched this the first time, I was like, I feel like she's like uh in the midst of like mounting a kind of renaissance for herself as a as an actor perhaps uh i would she's i would say she was you know one of those mega a-listers 10 years ago that uh you don't see as much of now nowadays for whatever yeah. reason like the tom cruise level ilk of star um so perhaps this is like her chance to mount a comeback but it's always weird to see a celebrity like that, or a Michelle Pfeiffer and Ant Man too, for instance, in these movies, it's sure. a little jarring. I don't know. It's it's kind of funny because like I I think it is when it is and it isn't when it isn't because like you think about like the first wave of movies, right? Like Robert Downey Jr. was a similar kind of caliber, right? Where he had been an A list star and then you know had a drug problem and went away for like two decades and then mounted an insane comeback and became an a-lister in hollywood again you know um but it's not like he was nobody but angelina jolie has such uh a presence and a grace about her that's never diminished whereas robert downey jr's whole identity was tarnished by what he had been through and i think he had done some movies that were not not the greatest while he was going through his stuff so yeah um, and he's he's like disappeared from the limelight for a long time too yeah um Whereas, like, I don't feel like she's disappeared as much as she's just kind of, like, been doing other things. And, like, you know, like, she was in Maleficent and everything. It's not like she hasn't been in movies. It's just yeah. there was a point where she was fucking everywhere. And I feel like she's kind of angling for that again. Yeah. She looks great. Um, yeah. the, the fucking platinum blonde hair on her. She looks insane. <laughs> It's like the moment you see a Leonardo DiCaprio or a Brad Pitt or whatever, or Tom Cruise, like I said, it's going to be like, oh, shit, wow, look at this person in a Marvel movie. I mean, yeah, like, this is uh, this is a fucking movie star. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about let's talk about Spider-Man, a, a character that we all are familiar with. We get it already. Right. Um, so Spider-Man No Way Home. Is a movie that, you know, people are obsessing over. They want to see a trailer really, really badly. Uh, Marvel's been having some fun with uh, fans. If you follow their their Twitter page, they've been posting some, you know, meme things. Um, suggesting that, you know, oh, here's a, here's a, a clip from the trailer, but it's actually nothing. Um, <laughs> but behind the scenes, 
uh, on the ground level, we've got so many different reports about what this movie is actually going to be. And I've been trying my best uh, as someone who is obsessed with what is going to happen in this film to keep myself from talking too much on this podcast about it. But this week, I couldn't hold back because uh, it's being reported by uh, Collider, Jeff Snyder, who is of Collider. And obviously, you, you I'm sure you, you've heard of Collider, um, very well-known uh, bunch over there, that um, he's, he's suggesting that uh, Willem Dafoe is going to lead the Sinister Six in this movie. Let's fucking go boys are you kidding me right doc Ock cameo hype sure we love it we love it willem dafoe though you know what that might get me to see this movie you have to watch the first two now kale <laughs> no that, hold on no he's one of the greatest character actors of the last 30 years he's so fucking good yeah, this is hype. This is like this is this truly is, hype. <laughs> yeah. Um, now we've talked here before about you know what is the Sinister Six going to look like, why, and all that. And the new reports are saying, and again, you know, coming from uh, from uh, Snyder, is that the the No Way Home title doesn't even actually reference. Spider-Man, it references his villains. And all the villains, all the Sinister Six, are villains from the other movie universes who get sucked into the MCU and don't have a way out. Fuck. That's kind of dark, yo. It is, and it's sick, and it definitely makes me think that the other two Spider-Man will be cameos. Um, You could totally imagine a scene, right, where it's you see Toby... He's going toe to toe, and then all of a sudden, suck through. Like, and that's it, you know. And he's like, "Oh shit, what the fuck?" <laughs> oh, so mm. you're suggesting that they're not. Well, like, you wouldn't real. need them for that necessarily. Then you could just have them in masks. You could, yeah, you know. yeah, for sure. But I bet you they want to have them in it just for like the pop of like, you know, like I could totally imagine it's you see. The Raimi suit, he's fighting, and then he pulls his mask up, and he's like, what the hell? And then it's, oh, cut back to the MCU, you know? And, like, we don't really even, like, spend much time with them. That's I'm not saying race. that that'll definitely happen, but yeah. I could see that being the case. Especially especially with the caliber of the amount of people who are also rumored, you know, your Emma Stone, your Christian sure, sure. Dunst. That's a good that, point. Yeah, that seems, that seems a bit wasteful. Oh, shit, Cruella's gonna be in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the crossover we're all dreading. So, <laughs> the, the the team, the rumored team, is Green Goblin again, Willem Dafoe. We know uh, this. Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, who was confirmed. He confirmed himself. We know that's happening. Uh, Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman. Wow, shit! If what? you can believe right. that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, notably, no Venom. No Venom. <gasps> He's not a member of the Sinister Six. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Didn't he notoriously bite uh, uh, Sandman and poison him on wasn't one of that, their albums? Uh, or did he bite Hydro Man? Bit one of those. Wasn't that uh, Matt Gargan, though? Not Eddie Brock? Yeah, you, maybe. But, you know, Venom has been a member of the it. Sinister Six. Kale, get it right. Speaking um, of which... I can't. I don't read. <laughs> Scorpion, right, is one of them. You would imagine, no? Oh, well, no. According to this, okay. according to the report, uh, Lizard. Mm. Oh, okay. 
played by Reese Ephens. I hated that fucking design in Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> Man, I yeah, thought yeah, that yeah, was yeah. awesome. I really did. Um, and I then Jamie Foxx is yeah. Jamie Foxx's Electro cool. and Paul Giamatti's Rhino. Also uh, from Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> really? That's rough. Okay, yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, but like... No, Vulture? Well, if if the report is true, then this would make sense because it's only villains who have no way of getting home, no way of getting back to their home universes. Sure. Okay. Now, I wonder, uh, does this have anything to do with the fact that Vulture... I'm sorry, yeah, Vulture appears in the Morbius trailer because you know Morbius, of course, is a character who's in the uh, the Sony universe um, of Marvel characters. So if he's if 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 Vulture's appearing in that, did he like swap places with one of these villains? Is that what they're going with, hmm. or is it an alternate universe version of him? Is you know? Vulture responsible for the Sony hack? No, uh, I don't think actually, so. <laughs> a- actually, um, Green Goblin Two is responsible for the Sony hacks. Uh, my man, uh, what's his name? Uh, who? Come on, who plays oh, 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 uh, um, Harry Osborn? Fuck. Uh, in the, to, in the Franco, Phil, not Phil uh, Franco. That's a YouTuber. Ga- James Franco. <laughs> James Franco. <laughs> my man, James Franco caused the Sony hacks. Green Goblin. God bless oh, him. I, that's funny. I was thinking of uh, the Harry Osborn from <laughs> the Andrew Garfield. Yes, film. that's who I was trying to think of as well. Oh, oh, God. No. Um, yeah, so this is the rumor. I am into this, although I do wish they were going to include some amount of, as Pete pointed out, more recent villains or even maybe someone we haven't seen before. But if this is the direction that they're going to go... I really like, yeah. Please give me Willem Dafoe. You know, it's hype. Yeah, it's a. It'll be insane to see this come together. If this is, if everything that we think is happening is happening, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be like a wow factor moment on the level of like the first Avengers or like the fucking you know portal scene at the end of Endgame. Like it's gonna be one of those like holy shit like. They really made this one happen, huh? Like, Kevin Feige is out here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we talk about Marvel villains all the time. I think Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin is like a, you know, he's in the all-time great. Yeah, are you fucking kidding me? Of, yeah. Of cinematic it's villains. Incredible. I, I would go out on a limb and I would say that Spider-Man has two of the top five. Uh, uh, Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina. Yeah, Alfred Molina. Yeah. I mean, that was a great mm. performance, too. Yeah, talk about sympathetic Yeah, villains. exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, well, holy shit. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. <laughs> okay. Let's do the top five villains uh, in Marvel movies. Marvel movies. And so does that include pre-MCU Marvel movies? All, yeah. Okay. All, movies, okay. all Marvel. Yeah. I mean, I would oh, say... Yeah, that's not that hard. Go uh, for it. Green Goblin, Green Goblin, Doc Ock. Well, Magneto. I would say both Magneto. Magnetos. I would say Michael Fassbender and Ian McKellen's Magneto. Ooh. Yeah. Let's give it to Ian McKellen just because I think you pick one. You want to pick one? Seniority. Okay. Yeah, I think we pick one. And then I agree with Kelly. Put Loki as the, fi- the five. Uh, ah, ooh. Killmonger, though. Killmonger is definitely. He's up there. I definitely like him more than Loki, uh, than Tom Hiddleston's Loki. Uh, Thanos, Ditto. too, has to be Find it. He, he, he said Thanos. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kill. That was the third one. I think. 
Yeah, Killmonger take over Loki's spot. That don't bother me at all. I could see bumping. Do we count television and Marvel villains? Because that would include uh, uh, Kingpin if we were to expand it to that. <sighs> no, mm, Sean did I think say we movies. Stick with the films, yeah, yeah. That because otherwise, yeah, he's in there for sure. Honorable mention we'll give him because holy yeah. fucking shit, does Vincent D'Onofrio play the goddamn Kingpin? <laughs> huh, let's see. Um, it's tough. It's because t- I, I think it's easy to pick a four. It's knocking one off. That's hard for me. Y'all gotta get on I, my page. I, you I know, know I, I think I think at all. I think yeah, it might actually not. I'm trying to I'm trying to think about all the different villains, but I can't think of anybody else who really fits the. Bill. I mean, Vulture no. was excellent too. I feel like I'm kind of inclined to put him in there. I I think he's great, Over but I think the- no, but over Loki maybe. But then that's so. Yeah. There's only I, there's only the five spots. If, if if you're saying the two Spider-Man villains, Thanos, um, uh, Magneto, Magneto, and then Killmonger. That's, that's it. it. I think that's the five. five. I think that's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think yeah. And then I would I would say Vulture is a solid six. Yes. Yeah. Uh, him and Loki could be our honorable mentions. I I think I'd give it to Loki yeah, over just because I mean like I I think it's really easy to like look on it now where like we've seen so much of the character and like downplay how good it was at the time um cuz I I think like he has presence in a way that um you know was hard to ignore Have you guys seen have you guys seen the um the S- Spider-Man turn off the dark um, I sure have, Kayla. I saw it live. Sinister I saw it Six. Live. Yeah, I saw it you saw it too, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Sean. Oh. What I wouldn't give to go back in time and have that be the first episode of the Comics Pals, our review of that fucking oh, movie. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> or play. <laughs> so fucking bad. Did somebody get hurt when you saw it? Or did no. you? Me neither. <laughs> I really wanted to see not that I wanted to see it, but like that happens so often, you know. Like, like they went through like five Spider Men in the first couple of weeks of that fucking show. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say the um, uh, I've I've literally only seen the uh, the clip that uh, it was on one of the late shows. Um, then it it's the song that introduces the uh, the Sinister Six, and I am obsessed with that Green Goblin. It's so bad. It's so unbelievably bad. <laughs> Love it. And the made up uh, the made up villains. Was there a scissor sister or whatever the fuck? <laughs> that was kinda rough. I, I didn't hate the the experience though. I kinda had a good time. Oh, I had oh, a I good bet. time watching yeah, I it. Fucking bet. But it's bad. Like but like the scissor sister, I remember I was just like, What are you fucking kidding me? There's yeah. like ninety Spider Man villains that you you had to make up scissor sister? Yeah. Um, you know who else was a good villain I want to highlight? Just uh, kind of put a bow on this was Stry- uh, Colonel William Stryker from X2, who was all about like the mutant yes. genocide. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yes. He was really, really good, too. He yeah. He's not like a standout, but Thunderbolt Ross is pretty solid, too. From the uh, Hulk movie. Yeah. yeah. I You could sell me on that any yeah. day. I love Thunderbolt Ross. I love uh, William Hurt, who played him. I, great I great choice. Awesome. I didn't he, bring he, it up. Yeah. He's like a perfect pick for that character. Uh, Red Skull from First Avenger was also excellent. Hugo Weaving. What a shame. Yeah. If, if you could have – and this is what kills me about that damn Captain America movie. Because if you could have gotten Hugo Weaving playing Red Skull in a modern setting, which is what we should have gotten. I want, it. I want that. That would have been mind-blowing. 
Captain. I mean, you could have done the same <laughs> shit you did in the comics where, you know, Red Skull is on ice and he comes back too, just like Captain America. But yeah. Eagle Weaving didn't want to come back, as evidenced by the fucking Avengers movie where they had to recast him for what a crazy cameo. But like, who cares? You could have replaced him. They fucking replaced Rhodey. Yeah. Like we got we They replaced the Hulk. Yeah. We got over that. <laughs> like, those are far more central characters than Red Skull. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the reason Red Skull didn't reappear is not because Hugo Weaving didn't. Come it might out. have been the Nazi I thing. I think they just they don't necessarily. I don't even know if it's that. I think they generally I don't. Think don't so. Yeah. They don't play the hits too often with the villains. Yeah. Um, with the exception, obviously, of Loki and Thanos, they tend to keep to, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, that's changing now. But back then, certainly, it was like one and definitely done. Yeah. Or one and maybe one more. But um, speaking of villains, this is absolutely a villain, the villain, that I would replace uh, almost anyone on the Sinister Six list for. And it's a shame that he's not going to be in this movie. And that's Craven. Hmm. I love that you uh, feel that strongly about Craven. He's great. I love Craven. I, he's I such really a good do. character. He's so Craven's fun. Last Hunt is the most famous Spider-Man comic for a reason. I and I think that there's a very easy way to get him in the the team. Um, I don't know that they intend on doing that, but uh, like for me personally, and, and we're gonna get to the announcement in a second. But like, if you just killed Rhino <laughs> off in like the first twenty minutes, right? And then <sighs> and then they need they were like, oh, we need we need someone else, and you know. Uh, uh, Willem Dafoe is doing his research and he finds that there's this hunter, you know, out and wherever, and he goes and grabs Craven from the um from the uh what's the what's the the Savage Lands? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He grabs him and oh. he gets on the team that'd be great. Can you imagine it's just like a one like just like a one quick shot of the Savage Lands and it's just fucking Craven killing a T Rex or whatever oh, and that'd then be sick, dude. you know and then he's just like getting the fucking plane. <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff I want. But uh, instead of that cool shit that we just booked, we're getting uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson playing Craven in the solo movie for uh, for Sony. Boy, so, talk about shit. That is one of those sentences where it's like, I'm like, okay, okay, no, fuck, damn it. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Aaron Taylor Johnson playing Craven. Even I. I don't know. Like you look at the pictures of him that they have in the um in the comicbook.com article that Sean linked to. Like I can kind of see it. Yeah. Like, I feel like if you give him the goatee. Yeah, like, but he has an actor. He, he's though. got I don't the look. Know. My thing is, is there any chance we can get away from this guy in Marvel yeah. properties? Yeah. Like, my God, this is the third uh well, okay, to to yeah, no. This is this is his second well, he was Quicksilver. Yep. He was Quicksilver yep. and Kick-Ass. And Kick-Ass. Okay, so yeah, so not just Marvel, but just superhero properties in yeah. general. Like, please. He's he done was a in lot. Godzilla. He was in Godzilla, too. Opposite Elizabeth That Olsen. is true. Yep. Yeah, which came out the same year, weirdly enough. Yep. Yep. I feel like you could do a better casting. I don't know. I When I think of Craven, I think of, like, a really rugged dude. Not that uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's not, like, rugged, but I'm thinking, like, um, I don't know, who's, like, a... like. You know, a still a Stallone type, but now you know what I mean, like a like a Nick Offerman on steroids, yeah, <laughs> like a, a Schwarzenegger type. That's who needs to be craving. Like it's got to be like a big fucking libertarian type guy who's like the greatest game of all is man. Yeah, but like, who is that? I don't know. Like I'm every sure. every actor you just named is like a fifty year old man. I know. I, there's <laughs> guys like that that exist. I would have to like really get down 
and like look into it, but you get a wrestler to do it, maybe. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> I pull guess a, pull like a Batista. <laughs> you know, I guess it's sick. tough. Dave Batista would oh, be God. sick. Not Dave Batista. <laughs> he can't do it. He's he's too old. He's burned it's, his bridges. Because Craven is, he looks kind of old-ish. Yeah. But he also obviously is not a regular human in the sense that he does have powers. So that's He's kind of fit hard to, as fuck. Right. Um, you're not going to find a ton of 50-year-old guys who are that, like, ripped and can go the way that, you know, someone needs to go to play Craven. Yeah. Um, Rob Lowe. No, oh. Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> no, fuck Kevin no. Sorbo. Fuck that guy. Kevin Sorbo, get um, the fuck out of here. the the whole The whole like solo movie for Craven thing is just you know it's a well worn conversation. I don't I hate think it's it. necessary. Um, I think that yeah, you can do it literally, right? And Venom proved that these movies can function, um, but it's don't unnecessary. Mean they should. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's also like Venom is like the worst proof of concept of that idea uh-huh. because it's the character that it works the best with. Yeah, right. Right? Of like, oh, see, this worked. That means we can do it with these other characters. It's like, fucking no. Like, that's like, like the, that- um, the amount of characters you have before Craven that that would work with is pretty long. I, I'll, I'll be honest. And this was the whole argument back when Venom was in development is. Like, it could be good. It, like, anything could be good. Uh, Stop it, Phil. The issue is I'm not incredibly confident in it being good. No. Yeah. And it, and it's unfortunate because the characters that they're choosing to highlight for these solo movies, I really don't think lend themselves to them. But mm-hmm. with the exclusion of Morbius, who's a character I just really don't have strong feelings about. You like the actor playing um, though. I sure don't. <laughs> Uh, the the other characters on that list, on that short list of like Craven and you know Black Cat and Silver Sable are like like great characters, and it's such a bummer to think that they're going to be like wasted on these movies where they can't really be themselves, or at least not like a, a the best version of themselves that you could imagine. Um, is super frustrating because like. I love Black Hat. I would love a movie, like a Spider-Man movie that heavily features Black Hat. That would be awesome. Um, I would even, I would even turn my nose up to a Black Cat film. She's interesting. Sure. But I don't know. It's like, it, it just sucks to think that like, we can't, like, we're not going to get Craven in the Sinister Sticks fighting Spider-Man, that he's going to be, what, a movie about him hunting something like what is that movie even about (laughs) like you know what i mean like what does that even look like like at least morbius it's like well he's a vampire like you could understand how they can tell a story there that's divorced from spider-man but like yo you want the dumbest movie of all time you would do craven versus predator (laughs) (sighs) all right okay (laughs) you know what i'll say it i'll put my foot down i I don't care who doesn't like it phil's brother or not craven's gonna suck Oh, oh shit! Mm. Don't it's let you, suck. Don't let you John said, Casey know. You said Radiant Black has sucked, and you got massive hate. Maybe that uh-huh. word should just not be in your vocabulary, dude. Hey, bring on that Radiant Black guy! I'll What's say up? it again. You know What's what? up? Craven's gonna suck. I'll, <laughs> I'll put my foot down too. Could be good. 
Oh, here we go. <laughs> what a bold, what a bold take. <laughs> the Venom Wars all over again. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I can't wait. When does Craven come out? I need that now. Lean the uh, fuck in, Kale. Lean into this <laughs> hatred. No. And then when it comes out, just be like, you know what? It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> 2023. If, 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 if I'm still here, if we'll, we're still here, uh, remember that because we're gonna be on this podcast, and if and if and if Kale is wrong, if Craven doesn't suck, because you said suck, yeah, if it doesn't suck. suck, you're gonna have problems on this podcast. <laughs> you better and? miss that week. You better, <laughs> you better not show up to that review. I'm the telling you right shit, now, the shit I get anyway. You think I? Okay. Okay. I mean, Sean, I think you, you think, just you just posed you the think, easiest. But, you think between now and then, I'm not going to say something stupid that's going to get me in deeper shit? <laughs> something worse. You dummy. We've been here for five years. I, I just love that Sean's just like, you better not show up that episode, which has just got to be the easiest challenge that you could pose to <laughs> Kale of all time to not on come the, to yeah, the show. On, the, on, the, on all the Spider-Man reviews we've done, I've never been on one. Uh, I do like Why that. I, I can do all the half measures and just kind of slide my way out of it. Oh, it could be good. And then I just slide away. Can't stand you. Fucking coward. Uh... <laughs> Let's let's talk about Inferno, huh? Okay. Uh, so we finally know, and, and we're not going to spoil anything here, but based on X Men Twenty and, and how that book ends, it ends with a a tease for a new title called Inferno. Uh, this appears to be the 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 Jonathan Hickman book that had a, a question mark associated with it. Um, that we saw in their like list of books that were coming out um, over the course of the next year for X Men, uh, there was one Hickman book that didn't that didn't have a name, and now we know it's Inferno. Uh, the teaser we can we can discuss the image. It it's it's got the, the the title Inferno in big letters, and inside of that you can see images, and then also underneath that there's also an image, so we can see Magneto. And Professor Xavier on one end speaking to each other. In the middle, we can see Mystique yelling. She's clearly upset. On the right of that, we can see Emma Frost uh, looking gleeful as ever. And under that, we can see who appears to be Moira with a baby. What? What the fuck is that about is my question. Mm-hmm. She got pregnant. What's the big deal? <laughs> Pete's like, where do babies come from? <laughs> We also got the slogan, uh, the biggest secrets of Jonathan Hickman's X-Men run will burn away in Inferno. (sighs) Fucking finally. Let's go. That's crazy. All right. Let's do it. Um, this is so exciting. And, and, you know, please tune over. If you're, if you care about these X books, tune over to our X-Men 20 review because we're going to blow the lid off all that and talk about it. Um, I'm going to spoil right now the fact that I, Love that issue. It was yeah. amazing. And, um, you know, you need to read it. Like, it, it is required reading if you are following the X-Men stuff. This is what we've been waiting for. And Inferno seems like the book to read. I can't wait for fall. Um, I, I, I frankly, let's just skip the Hellfire Gala. Like, Ooh. wait, I'm going to go. What? You're over up. it? 
Don't even care. <laughs> wake me up in uh, wake me up when September ends, and 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 and, and let's get into <laughs> let's get into Inferno. Let's do Before it. Before we go, go. That's right. <laughs> Two song references. Uh, so here's a question. This, uh, as the article points out, is a reference to an older X Men event, a classic X Men event. Do you think, in any way, you know, Krakoa has this tendency of bringing back all the X Men things of yore that we could see the Goblin Queen? I mean, they've been teasing her for a yeah. while. So, I mean, it, it, I, I think I would say, yeah. Uh, I think almost certainly. In uh, Way of X, there's a tease of Onslaught. For all, you know, like bring all the old X-Men things. So, can I tell you guys my theory? Yeah, can, can, I, well. can I get on my uh, my soapbox here and put my Please. tinfoil hat on? Ooh, hey, Please. Uh, Phil, Phil, we gotta get the soapbox on. You go ahead and push it. Right. Uh, Over here. No, I got one. I got one here. Hold on. Just give it to uh, Sean. Here, here, here. here. Oh, Sean, here. Oh. Stand on it. There, there yeah. you go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so my thing is this, all right? You take all the things you guys just referenced and you put them together. I believe what will happen is Mystique is going to, uh, like, in my opinion, likely use her powers to shapeshift and become Professor Xavier or Magneto and request that the five revive Destiny immediately. And that that will cause, obviously, Destiny to uh, say, you know, oh, my God, you know, it actually happened. You know, Moira, you know, McTaggart is behind all of this. About to spill those fucking beans. Right. Which will lead to uh, a civil war in Krakoa that will lead to Professor Xavier and Magneto uh, becoming basically ousted. And the stress and pressure of everything that goes on there with maybe the death of Magneto or, or, or something of, along those lines leads to Onslaught. Uh-huh. That's, that's my theory. That's and right. then that's how hmm. Krakoa maybe ne- doesn't necessarily end, but the Magneto and Professor Xavier part of it ends in Onslaught. Let me ask you a follow-up question since we're doing theories. Who's the father of Moira's baby? I don't I'm, even want to speculate. Uh, I don't think we have enough information baby. for that. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think we have enough information for that. But I. But I do think that when you ask that question, and it's not my theory, it's just where my mind went. They did talk a lot about her romance with Charles in the original run, like of yeah. of House and Powers. Life, and I'm, I, yeah, but not for her. You know, yeah. she but and but no, it's not a different life. She does have a relationship with Charles in yeah. this in this timeline yeah. because everything that we have ever read, like every X Men comic book, is still this timeline. So she did have a relationship with Charles. My thing is the reason why I have to discount that is because, and and, and by the way, I'm not convinced that's even Mora's baby that we're seeing sure. there. But well, yeah, who the um, fuck knows, right? I think that she explicitly says that she severed that relationship in favor of emboldening him to do Krakoa. That's right. Hmm. And the implication that I have gotten based on, and I think we all got them, based on her writings that were in-house and powers is that she kind of like doesn't like them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. She's not that into them as people. Oh, wait a minute. What about Hope? What about Hope? Could like where is she at right now? She's a grown woman. Okay, never mind. 
Because I was thinking that because isn't cable on the island? Cable's connected to Inferno, right? Like the original event. Oh uh, yeah, I think so. We got to read that as a prime. Might as well, yeah. We should. We should. This summer, it's about to be hot. It's going to be an inferno. Disco inferno, baby. You know what? It's it says this right here. It's uh, this is from the Games Radar article. It says uh, there's a baby shown near Mora, and we don't know who this I- infant may be. The baby's inclusion could be a teaser about an important mutant birth, or it could even be that Mora, Mora herself being reborn, as that's happened numerous times in the past. Oh. Interestingly enough, a baby was kind of at the heart of the original Inferno, which dealt with Cyclops' ex-wife Madeline Pryor, with whom he had gr- had a son who grew up to be. There cable. it is, folks. There. So. It is. Is. Yeah, maybe there's some kind of. I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of Caleb. Um, I almost just said Caleb. Cable <laughs> connection there. Um, I don't know. It's interesting though. Yeah, very exciting. And and you know, um, in a little bit we're gonna talk about uh, whether or not fans even like comics at this point, and how down on the industry everyone seems to be across the board. But I'll tell you what. When I read. This comic book last night, the, the, the like visceral emotion and the, the like joy that I felt and all the different emotions that I felt reading this 20 something page comic book is proof positive of the power of these things. And I'm, I'm excited like I'm 15 about the story yeah. that's unfolding in these X books. And, and you know, Find that for yourself. Like, what is that for you? Where is that in comics for you? Like, for me, this is where it mm-hmm. is. This is where it is. Find that for yourself. And that's that's what we all have to be looking for. And I think that's what I'm always looking for. And that's where I get tripped up is I want all of comics to be that. And it's just not, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but this is. I'm really sad. Why can't we go back to Ten of Swords? That was <laughs> real hype. Uh <laughs> One last quick thing I did want to um, to mention about this is that the drawing of the baby in particular is definitely Mahmoud Azrar. That oh. He definitely is the one who drew that um, because a month ago he posted on Twitter a an image of him, uh, an image of a drawing of a baby that he had done. And it's mm. the exact same baby. Interesting. He said, man, I fucking love drawing babies. <laughs> Ready to be a dad, so, I guess. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know. I just, I can't wait for all this. This is, this is the most exciting thing. We're back on track. Uh, we've been talking about this forever, and uh, a couple weeks ago on our main topic, we talked about uh, what makes Marvel exciting, and you know, everything else is not very invigorating. But you know, the X books for the first time and. You know, 20 years is finally interesting, and uh, they're the main event, folks. And I tell you, I've been I've been excited all week since reading X-Men 20 to talk about it. There you go. Kel's never excited. In in the in the way that I haven't been excited since House and Powers. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, you know, something unique that DC is announcing um, quiet week for DC pretty much. Um, but I wanted to highlight this Can't because imagine why. I, I do think this is pretty cool. Uh, DC has announced a book called Batman the World. And uh, it's a hardcover anthology book, a one-shot, that I, I, I frankly, I've never heard of this before. Basically, what they're doing is they're going to have uh, several stories in this book 
And each one of them is Batman, a Batman story in a different part of the world written and drawn by a creative team from that part of the world. What? That's hmm. wild. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. That's a great idea. So each uh these are the these are the 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 places the 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 areas of the world that are participating uh North America, France, Spain, Italy, Germany, uh the Czech Republic, Russia, Poland, Turkey, Mexico, Brazil, China, Korea and Spain. Wow. That is 14 different regions of the world. Sean, real quick, uh you said Spain twice. The last one was Japan. I'm sorry, Japan. Um whoops. Uh oh, weird mix up. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know how that happened. It's really um, hates manga, you know. <laughs> I always wanted to go to Japan. Um <laughs> Me too. The cover of this book is pretty cool. So it's uh these like, you know, like I don't know, um statues holding up the uh, the globe and Batman's sitting on top of it. Notably, Batman's face is not visible, and I think that's to kind of, you know, allow for him to him to be drawn in the likeness of any of these places. Um, and I, I love that. That's really cool. I love how you can't see his face, but it still has the insane definition on, like, the, the brow shape. And, it, like, you can still see the fucking crown yeah. of his head and everything. It, awesome. Yeah. This kind of story really lends itself to a type of Batman story that I've always been very fond of. Uh, the type of Batman story where it's, like, uh, people in Gotham, for instance, kind of, like, telling their experience of seeing the Batman around the city. Like, the, mm. the kind of folklore element of batman this kind of has that element of it where it's like at this point in real life batman is arguably the most recognizable comic book character in the entire world and this gives that kind of folklore larger than life mythological angle of the character it's like oh well this is what batman means to a person in the czech republic of all places yeah very neat i think it's it's funny there's a, a quote from jim lee um, that's like very kind of like echoing that statement and it, it i don't know maybe it's a thing that makes more sense in like a press release but it feels so like obvious to say like it's like batman has grown into a true pop culture icon known the world over it's like yeah jim <laughs> we know it's I, yeah I, it's I, fucking I, batman like, the way the way it makes it sound is like it just recently happened yeah like it's like oh you know it's been really cool to see batman Over blow the up these last couple years, years. <laughs> this bat character's really grown like Have you guys noticed batman this? is probably less culturally relevant right now than he's been in the last like 50 years and he's still a big fucking deal hey i, I, was, I was just thinking about this the other day but i think this batman character might be bigger than betty boop <laughs> maybe so maybe so <laughs> <laughs> the, the creative teams are announced across the board, but um, frankly, we don't know them. We don't know the, the if I said the names, they wouldn't have relevance to most of us just because they're creators from their respective regions. Um, but it's so cool that this is that this is happening. I think it's great. And then also each um, each region will get their own cover oh i like that too that's interesting i want to i want to collect all the covers that would be such a cool collection that's a mission yeah right like holy shit yeah um 
Someone's going to do it, though. Some crazy motherfucker. I thought it was cool, too, that it says that they have, uh, like, international publishing and distribution partners. So it's like they're partnered with all these, like, major publishers and whatever the given region is. It's like, you got the coordination for this project. It's got to be in fucking sane. Yeah. Well, for, for, for North American comics, you're fucking right. <laughs> Sean and Kale, have you, uh, have either of you ever read any of the bat mangas that came out in, like, the 2000s, 20, early 2010s? No. I have it, but I haven't. I haven't read it. I read one of them. Oh. It was like a, fr- a friend had it, and I, I was like perusing it at their home. I don't. I don't really remember it super well, but um, I remember it was like it was very like striking to see. You know, mm-hmm. it is cool to see um, characters that are you know like well known in the West be interpreted through you know the the lens of like. Uh, Eastern comic tradition, you know? That's a, that's an interesting question. So there is a tradition of, of Batman comics being published in a manga style. Um, and right now in the Robin comics, there are references to kind of manga style. Art. I wonder if the uh, Japanese portion of this will be, in fact, like a manga. Not only references, Probably. but the, the character, Lord Deathman, mm-hmm. is uh, uh, Flatline's... Um, Dad or mentor? Uh, 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 mentor, I Mentor, guess. I think, yeah. The, uh, yeah. And I, I I, think I could be pretty wrong about this, but I think Lord Deathman originated think, in those Batman. I think you're right. I think he did. Oh, that that's sounds cool. that sounds like a manga character named Lord God, Deathman. He's so fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is uh, neat so though. This is a this is a great announcement and you know, again, sometimes on, on this podcast, DC is the butt of jokes and stuff. And uh, this is definitely a time where I really want to commend them for doing something just just unique, you know, just really cool. Um, I'm really so yeah. excited to read this. I feel like at the very least, it'll be an extremely, like, unique and edifying type of experience just to, like, get a taste of all these different comic styles, you know, from all over the world. Not to be selfish, but after this, I would love to see a Superman one. <laughs> I mean... That's so... That's so- <laughs> selfish <laughs> i feel like that would be great though yeah. <laughs> god <laughs> frankly so, if this is good do it with every fucking major character like this is a dope idea <laughs> all right pete that's just gluttonous yeah damn right i i i love the fact that you know comics can still innovate and do cool things and yet according to the internet uh, the entire comics industry is being outsold by one manga. That one manga is Demon Slayer. God, slay those North American comics demons. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Demon Slayer is a super successful uh, manga that has blown away record after record uh, across the board. When it comes to, um, you know, manga and, 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 and comics and anime and all that jazz. Um, and that has led some to say that it even has outsold the entire United States comics, uh, industry. So there has been a lot of, uh, talk about this, a lot of number crunching. Definitely wish Marco was here, mm-hmm. uh, for this particular subject. Uh, rarely do I think to myself, I wish Marco was here, but <laughs> numbers uh, in anime, though, right? Yeah. Tough to beat. Those are his, like two yeah. of his three main things. That's, that's his department. So, 
this is a it's a it's a tricky one to discuss, but we'll get into it and we'll we'll do our best. So, uh, we don't exactly know the sales of comics for 2020. Um, North American comics. North American, yes. Uh, when I say comics, assume I'm talking about North American comics and manga. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna call them manga. Um, well, at least you'll be polite about it. Well, <laughs> so. Again, we don't we don't quite know that. What we know is that um, Demon Slayer and manga in general overall have overperformed in 2020. Things actually went up for them uh, dramatically. Um, huge gains. Whereas we don't quite know for comics. The assumption is that there have been gains, but we're not we're not all the way sure. Um, so Demon Slayer. Uh, sold 82.34 million copies last year. Uh, That's insane. uh, Yeah. That's wild. (laughs) According to uh, comicbook.com's reporting on this, their assumption is that the the best case um, is... Around that number, because in 2019, uh, we saw that the comics industry sold 83.2 million, <clears throat> um, and it dropped 1.2 million over the last year. So, if things went that exact same way, then that would mean that probably 82 million uh, comics were sold here in the United States. So obviously the the assumption is that things went down by 1.2 million again, which is it could be generous, but that could also not be generous. We don't know. Um, that doesn't account yeah. for the success of a book like Berserker, for example, sure. um, which didn't exist in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but if even if right the number was let's say 85 million comics were sold, that's still insane, right? 82.34. Compared to even if you give comics every grace you possibly could and said it was like 85, that's still really close. And if you go by what comicbook.com is suggesting, they outsold the entire United States comics industry. I, I think I have a little bit more context here, too. So go ahead. Yeah. So Demon Slayer is actually the ninth highest selling manga of all time, and it's only been publishing for five years. Uh, according to the, wow. according to the source that Wikipedia is using, it's uh, sold 150 million comics in five years. That's half what Sean just said is half the money it's made just this year. So its rise in popularity is meteoric. Further context here: uh, When did the anime come out? I um, someone looked that up while I'm um, on my soapbox. Further context. Demon Slayer just released a movie this year, uh, Kometsu no Yaiba, the movie, uh, colon, Mugen Train. Uh, that is now the highest grossing movie, not just in Japan, but uh, in the world of all time. Uh, passing movies that are like... Highest grossing movie? Period? movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's past movies like Spirit Away... Howl's Moving Castle, Pokemon, the first movie, Princess Mononoke, all the Dragon Ball movies, uh, One Piece Stampede, which, you know, One Piece is like the most popular manga in the world. Like, whatever it is, 2021, 
uh, and I guess to a lesser extent, 2020, Demon Slayer just blew the fuck up. So I have some context. The 26 episode anime television series debuted in September of 2019. Mm -hmm. The sequel film came out in October 2020, and that's the one that you just called out. Um, and then the second season comes out this year. So yeah, the anime must have just blew up its popularity. Sure did. And that's cool. You know, congrats to them. Congrats to the creative team. Yeah, that's that, a huge that fucking accomplishment. <laughs> quite the achievement. Um, but obviously, for the purposes of this podcast, we're more interested in how that um, reflects on uh, North American comic books. Mm-hmm. And I do not think that it is a reflection at all. Um, and I have a big problem with the narrative and it's going to lead us into our main topic, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, there's a, a, a narrative that because Demon Slayer had this unprecedented success, that that somehow is an indictment of comics. And when people say that, first of all, whether they are ignorant or otherwise, they're primarily talking about Marvel and DC comics. Um, but my thing is, those have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, I understand now that manga and um, that manga are comics, but the appetite for comics is clearly very different over there than it is over here. It's the the fact that Demon Slayer can explode the way it did means and proves. That the appetite is different. You probably couldn't have a comic book explode like that here in this country. Because in general, people are not as inclined to read comics. Right. For whatever reason. The I think the other problem is that something that um, is always interesting to me about the success of, of manga and, and anime, I guess specifically, is how much of it is dependent on its success abroad. And that's something that comics don't really seem to be able to replicate. Um, you know, Kale talks all the time about how, and you know, we've had uh, a number of, of creators who are from Europe or from the UK or, or whatever who have expressed that, um, you know, access to mainstream American comics was not a given. You know, it was like, it was few and far between. It was something that was like, you know, a, a treat maybe, or it was a thing that was very niche, so you didn't get exposed to it a lot. Hey, Grant Morrison and I, talked about how they got their comics growing up from like soldiers stationed in Scotland, like American soldiers. It was like kind of a trade system. Right. And like we had Garth Ennis on the show and was talking about how like superhero comics were not a thing for him. It was the gunslingers. It was whatever. Right. And like you look at... Um, the most popular Japanese, uh, manga series or, or anime series, and they are generally anyway, a big hit at home. And then they find major su- success abroad being translated into a dozen other languages. And, you know, you have a market of, um, you know, uh, we'll, we'll lovingly call them weebs, but, you know, Japanophiles in, in the West who fucking really love Japanese media and eat that shit up. And um, I think the fact that the big two don't seem to have that same ability to, you know, distribute the, the product overseas as efficiently 
um, or or to establish a base in those countries that are as ravenously excited about you know uh, the the books in the way that they are the movies and and whatever else. Um, I don't I don't think it's like to to the point you made, Sean, like an indictment of American comics as much as it is like it speaks to the fact that I think that there's a missed opportunity there. And I think that that's a huge part of the success of a demon slayer or whatever, right? Like we talked about the, the anime came out. I think a big part of its success is that the, the anime came to Netflix during the pandemic. How many people watched that? And then we're like, Oh, I'll go read the books. That's what I was going to bring up. It makes me wonder, you know, with manga and anime, it's a one for one adaptation. The manga comes out, especially these shonens that come out in Shonen Jump or whatever. Uh, and then an anime is created that's a direct adaptation of the specific manga. Uh, I w- Roughly. Yeah, Usually, anyway. That's not exactly. That's not, that's not always no, but true. Yeah, because, like, yeah, sure, for sure. But, like, you can think of something like a Full Metal Alchemist or, like, Dragon Ball Z, even, where, like, the anime would, like, get ahead of it sometimes and did them create filler and stuff but for the most part like with dragon ball specifically it it was a direct it was an adaptation of the manga that would especially focus on the key points anyway i we don't really have that with comics you know uh runs aren't adapted adapted into tv shows they're loosely cobbled into movies sometimes there's the animated movies that dc makes of like very iconic runs or very popular runs often uh short runs you know we don't have this infrastructure that exists of 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 turning you know popular comic book runs into tv shows i I wonder if such a thing you do you do but it's with indie books Right? Because it's like, you look at like The Walking Dead, yeah. right? The success of The Walking Dead TV show made The Walking Dead. It, it was already mm-hmm. a popular comic. It became a bestseller. You look at The Boys. The Boys became a series. Uh, collections of The Boys sold through the fucking roof that year and continued to sell. That's my question. I um, mean, what if you know you attempted to do something like Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, something of that ilk, and you tried to make a popular adaptation of it? to put on television or on netflix or whatever could you see mirrored success in at least the united states no because the biggest difference um is that you know pete pete had mentioned how we we haven't been able to create a fervor for for comics across the world the way that there is here but the my counter is there's not a fervor for comics here there's a fervor for comic book characters, and that's global. But there's not a fervor for comics even in the United States, um, and that's the problem. That's the point. There, there is no the market's not there. It doesn't exist. Um, and this is something that I've been preaching on this podcast for many years. I don't think that American comic books <clears throat> have the reach. That they used to, in the sense that they're not connecting with people, in the sense that there are not as many people that want to read them. There is a stigma associated with reading comics that doesn't exist in other countries. Like, clearly, right, yeah. in Japan, if you read manga, that's perfectly fine, right? Like There, there are uh, sections of manga for various... Uh, people. Yeah, there's literally. women's manga. Yeah, whatever there's age little group. girl manga. There's teenage boy manga. There's, there's men's ma- manga. There's manga. cooking manga. 
there's woof, <laughs> gross. You talk about blocking the weed. The the funny thing about that too is like there's names for those genres too, right? Like yeah. it's like it's it's yeah. an expected thing that like when you were this age and you know this whatever, right? Like this is this is the genre for you, right? Like yep. shonen, yep. right? Is generally like it means the whole it's power and you're building power levels and blah 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 blah. But like shonen are generally targeted at young adolescent boys, boys, you yeah. know, and yep. that's the market and. American comics don't have that setup. There's nothing like that, um, and there's not going to be anything like that. It's a, and and it's a it's a very different market with a different mentality. Um, you're just not going to see this type of thing. And I don't even know that those like Walking Dead's or Boys or whatever are comparable because they're not necessarily like big successes outside of this country. You know, like compare the success of The Walking Dead outside of the U.S. to the success of Demon Slayer. And I guess you could say that Demon Slayer is unprecedented. That's certainly true. But what about Dragon Ball? What about Pokemon? What about X, Y, and Z? This is not even new. This phenomenon has been going on forever. Since like, what, the 80s, 90s? 90s at least, yeah. I would say the 90s probably is when it really... Because like Dragon Ball Z was, I think, the first like really major crossover hit in the way that we're talking about. Like There were other popular anime series and stuff that had made the jump before, but like... Or Pokemon. I mean, I would even go as far back as Astro Boy, I think. Yeah, but... Sure, but like Astro Boy was popular, but not a cultural phenomenon in the way that like Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon were, you know? I don't know. Either way, the point is that that's that that we import a lot of that type of stuff, and these things are acceptable. You know, in in Japan in in the nineties, obviously Pokemon exploded. At the same time, nerds were getting dunked on for knowing five members of the Avengers. You know, we're in different places. We're not in the same place. And I think that that part of the conversation so often gets overlooked. But there's another part of the conversation that's equally as important to talk about. And that's going to lead us into our main topic, which is that as much as there is a culture of discussing comic books and the characters that come from them and the creators who create them, it feels like fans of comic books hate comic books and that might be the biggest reason if any that comic books do not exist past this decade so obviously that might be a little hyperbole right um i don't think that comics are going to fold in the next nine years but i do think that comics have a problem that manga doesn't have that um might caused the industry to eat itself i think that you know this week when this uh when this resurfaced uh, about demon slayer um there was a huge reaction towards this this particular um idea and a lot of it seemed to be people using this as a means as a way of kind of dunking on comics and quite a few of the people that i saw uh, speaking about this are alleged readers of <laughs> comics. Sure. And it just is so odd how often comics fans seem to relish in things going wrong. 
in the industry. Like, oh, that'll teach them. And it, and, and and here's the crazy part. It's not necessarily the 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 SJW haters or whatever, right? The the comics gators or the the comics gate adjacent type people. Uh, it's not them only. It's also the other side of that coin. It's also the people who say the industry is is um, is sexist and it's racist and it's corrupt and you know we're tired of weekly. Uh, uh, monthly floppies and blah 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 and constantly harping on the negative elements or the things that they just personally don't like that they somehow construct to be uh, reasons why the industry is going to die and it's just like first of all who are you <laughs> um, but second of all do you like this or not and obviously we do this right we <clears throat> we get on our show and we have these we we have these conversations but there's a difference between what we're doing here which is having the, the talk um but which by the way we're not doing just because we feel like it we're doing it because you know we're doing a show um and getting on twitter and seeming to enjoy the fact that you know, there might be some problems with the industry. And no one's denying that. I'm certainly not denying that. Uh, but I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. And I don't think it's great that Demon Slayer um, outsold, you know, U.S. comics. But I also don't, like, care. Because at the end of the day, I don't think that those two things are related. I don't, I don't, I don't think that just because they're both comics that that means that we need to compare one to the other. I think you can enjoy the success that Demon Slayer is having and then also enjoy what you enjoy about American comics and leave it at that. The reason why I say, and I'm going to open the floor in just a moment, but the reason why I say that the industry is eating itself is because you have alleged fans on both sides who can't stop spewing venom, right? Who jump on Twitter at the first opportunity to to, to shit on the industry, to shit on the storylines, to shit on the creators, shit, shit, shit. But then you also have creators who step down, right? Because they, a lot of times, they act like gods on social media who step down to dunk on people who have critiques about the industry. And, and, and there are a lot of creators that we love, that we, we celebrate on this show. We have them on. And, and by and large, the creators that I've interacted with and that I've seen on social media are awesome. Yeah. There are some. Who are soft. I'm just going to be honest. They're soft. They can't handle criticism on any level. And they use social media to make comics creators look bad. I think about Chuck Wendig. That was a bad look for comics. When he was going off uh, a few years ago. When people were um, mad about Star Wars. Or whatever Mm -hmm. it was. And he was going off about um, Republicans and stuff like that. That was a bad look for comics. There's no need for that. And frankly, it's embarrassing. That dude's still you dumped are... on on Twitter to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think if you think that that type of thing does not impact the sales of comics, you're wrong. You're flat out wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't have the right to say his to say what he has to say. I'm not saying anyone doesn't have the right to say what they have to say. But the same way that if you have a job and you're expected to, to especially if it's a forward-facing job, you're expected to conduct yourself a certain way, 
because it impacts the company. I think the same is true for comics. So I'm going to open the floor because I've talked enough. I, it's amazing how soft is a good way to put it. People are um, so sensitive about like their hobbies and their interests. Like inherently, is like a problem with like internet culture or. At the very least, it's personified because of the space that exists because of social media and message boards and things like that. But when one thing is elevated, so it's been a it has been a you know big week, big year for Demon Slayer. All credit to it. Inherently, comic book fans are so sensitive about their hobby that they feel the need to try to punch down this thing that other people like or is popular. And it's just like, why? I think, um, I think, unfortunately, it's human nature in a lot of ways. Um, I don't think it's unique to the internet. I think it's something that's exacerbated by the yeah. internet because everybody has a platform. Yeah, right. Um, and you can tweet some nasty shit about some creator and they might see it and then it goes viral or something. Like, that can happen. Um, and that forum didn't exist before. But I think in general, um, it is unfortunately human nature to like have that kind of group think mentality. And I think it's exacerbated by, like I said, the internet, but also by immaturity. Um, I think that that's a huge thing that like a lot of people connect their interests um, to their identity. Yeah. To their identity. That's exactly what I was going to say. And and I think um, there's a healthy way to do that. And there's an unhealthy way to do that. And like, you know, I think like I look at our podcast, right? And like when I think of this podcast and what we do, this is the way that I I feel at least I'm healthily expressing my passion and love and appreciation of comic books, right? Um, and that's not never negative, right? Like we've all come on this show and lambasted something. We've all done that. We've all been that person. That's fine. I think though – what what is unique about comics, right? Because you look at any industry and this exists, right? Like there's toxic fandom. Um, there are industries that uh like video games, right? There is no shortage of things that gamers do that make me fucking really embarrassed to be associated with that culture, right? Um, however, <laughs> video games are a mass market in a way that comics are not. Um, so for the, you know, I don't know, right? Like say hundreds of thousands of douchebags that play video games and then go on Twitter or YouTube or whatever and say racist shit or harass women or, you know, attack, you know, people in the industry and send them death threats and shit like that. You know, they are a vocal minority. Whereas with comics, they are a vocal segment of the audience. (laughs) Um, and it is not the same, uh, minority group that you can hand wave away because, you know, the, the comics gators of the world or what have you, they are a significant and extreme portion of the audience. And there is a, you know, uh, mirror image politically aligned extreme contingency on the other side of that fence. And because comics are already a niche thing. I think that that dominates the discourse because there aren't as many casual, moderate, 
type comics fans that, you know, read comics all the time, but maybe don't go on Twitter, right? Like, or, or what have you. I think there are a lot less types of comic readers like that. Most people that read comics are pretty into comics. Um, and I think that creates or, or at least, uh, reinforces those groupthink tendencies and the, well, this is what I like and what I am into, whatever, right? And I, you look at the, you know, the, uh, emotionally charged comment that we read earlier on the show, right? From someone who, you know, I, I think it's safe to say, right? Like, seemed to take personal offense to the fact that we didn't like a book that they liked. Um, a lot of people do that, you know, and, and I think that when you do kind of have that, in that example, I think like, and not to, you know, shit on, on the, the commenter, but like, it is that kind of like toxic ownership over something of like, well, I'm a Marvel reader and, you know, it's like, if you say shit about that, then you're saying shit about me and I need to defend myself right? Like, you get this misplaced aggression. And I think that with comics, it's exacerbated even further because you have that mentality of, like, the I need to defend this thing that I like from the other fans, but then also, if you don't like what Marvel's doing at that point, you're going to attack Marvel, and you're going to say, I love Marvel, and you're ruining my favorite characters, and this crop of creators are, are their stories suck, or they're this, or they're that, right? And you get, like, there's so many opportunities for you as a, a, a comics reader to create friction, with yourself, with the creators, with other readers, with people that don't read, like, whatever. And I think the more niche something is, the more ownership you feel like you have over it, and the more passionate you are when you attack or defend it. It makes me think of that meme that was uh, that, that circulates a lot on Twitter when people are mad about things that really don't directly impact them, where it's like, in the first picture, you see the kid with a boot on her head and it's like oh no like he's got a boot on his head and the next one's like his hands in the boot <laughs> it's the same type of thing where it's like all this anger for a thing that it's, it's just comics you know it's just a hobby well i want to i want to point out a, a stat that is being uh thrown around by mark millar actually um and this is you know i don't know if this is True, but this is what he's saying. Here's an amazing stat I heard yesterday. Only 10% of comics buyers have a Twitter account, and only half of those accounts are actually active. Thus, 95% of the comic book audience is not on Twitter, which must be mind-blowing for the company marketing departments. He was asked by Heather Antos and Chris Arant, where did you get this stat from? And he said, uh that uh, a marketing pal of one of the big two after a deep dive by their parent company found this uh, hmm. found this information out. That's surprising. That's definitely surprising to me. Well, it's a good reminder that Twitter is a very small local uh, corner of the world. Sure. Absolutely. Now. <laughs> what, what if he said, oh, I <laughs> <laughs> The reason why I think it's such a big problem, though, is not because of who's on Twitter that reads comics, but more who's on Twitter that doesn't or who's on Twitter that could be 
an active, a potential activated reader who won't be. Because all the discourse around comics is awful. It's so Everyone negative. Everyone is mad. Everybody is pissed. If you're, if you're not mad because, um, you know, you're, because Star Girl's not being written by a woman right now, you're mad because, um, you know, uh, Bat, Batman's only written by men. And if you're not mad about that, then you're mad because, um, you're mad because Yada Flora is being written by a woman. And if you're not mad, like, there's so many reasons to be mad. That <laughs> you're mad and, that there's books about women at all. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, it's just nonstop anger. And the representatives of the industry are always mad. All the time. I, I, I Every tweet that comes across my feed that's about comics is negative. If it's not a creator retweeting a positive tweet about their own work, which they absolutely should do, it's someone, a fan or a creator, being mad about something. If I were not a reader of comics, I wouldn't start. Why would I start? I mean, I probably would because I don't care what people think, but um, like, I could see how that would be a problem. In fact, I, I went and I read uh, several forums to see what people had to say about the Demon Slayer thing that we brought up earlier. And a lot of the commentary was from people who don't read comics who said, I don't read comics because of X. I don't read comics because everyone who reads comics is mad about this. Or comics are too woke. Or comics are more concerned with appealing to X group than they are telling good stories. Blah, 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 blah. And those are perceptions about comics that are created by the discourse that exists on social media. Those things are not true. They're not. Well, and, and I think um, it, it reminds me of a conversation we've had before about toxic fandom, right? And like you look at something like um, – uh, we, we've brought this up before. I'll, I'll use the example again because it's one of the most readily available. Something like Rick and Morty, right? Which um, there, like, if you hadn't ever seen it before, right, and you went to watch it now, you're aware of this stigma about the fan base of that show, right? And you carry that into you know your interactions with it as a piece of media or your desire to give it a chance or what have you. Um, and I, I think the same thing is definitely true of comics. Like comics already have a stigma as being like a thing that's for dorks, which is fine. Um, that is increasingly not a big problem. Um, liking nerdy shit is not um, as much of a stigma as it used to be. I think the bigger problem is the, that like there's a lot of toxicity, right? Like I, you already have the barrier of entry that comics are not very accessible. They're expensive. They're hard to follow. It's hard to know where to start. Every person I've ever known who's ever been like, I want to read comics. They start by being like, I watched X or I played X or whatever. And I like this character. Like after Miles Morales came out, right? There was somebody who reached out to me and was like, you like Spider-Man? I really liked Miles Morales. How can I read Miles Morales? And I had to do research to answer that question. Like to be like, here's where you start. And like, here, here's what you could read. And this will make sense to you without context and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I like know a thing about comics. Like imagine you don't at all. And then on top of that, all of the discourse that you see about it is like this vitriolic fucking anger um, from anybody about anything. And yeah, it's like, it's exhausting. It is exhausting, you know? Um, I don't engage with comics Twitter uh, because of that. Because it's like, it's toxic and I don't want to deal with it. Like, 
I'm not interested in having discourse with people who are like, you know, frankly, like acting insane. Like these are, these are books. Like, you know, like it doesn't, it really, at the end of the day, it doesn't fucking matter. None of it matters. Yeah, but, it's entertainment. But listen, Pete, Sean, we're acting like we're comic book fan anthropologists observing from afar. Why don't we get the perspective of an actual self-loathing comic book hater? Kale. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They could make the book better. <laughs> Sean has made that exact point. That's why. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's I, not true, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the point Pete made, especially when you bring manga into the conversation, is crazy salient. Um, he made a lot the, of points. The thing. I, sorry. Which he made point? A lot of points. Oh, sorry. The the thing about um, Miles Morales and not being able to tell someone without doing research where to get it and what to get. When with manga, it's just like go to the store, pick up the number one if they have it. Um, the thing I was thinking about uh, when you brought up that Mark Millar uh, quote, Sean, is it reminds me of that. Um, do you guys remember that scandal a couple of years ago about how Facebook uh, falsely inflated the number of video views? Yeah, or something, and uh, it caused like the the a complete shift in journalism. And a couple of years later, after that shift happened, and this was revealed, a ton of uh, journalists were laid off because none of it meant anything. That sort of remind it makes me think of that because it's like, you know, the, everyone online feels like online is life, and that's where things are happening. Uh, because and we were just talking about people who aren't on Twitter and engaging with the discourse. And I went, man, that has to be just a completely different you know a completely different life too many people live their lives online it's so true what you're saying kale and when that anonymity is present you are a lot more comfortable uh saying the 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 mold the darkest thing you have to say um because you can't express it otherwise and i'll tell you I, I was just passionately speaking about how much I loved X-Men number 20. And I get dissuaded and, and discouraged when I go on comics Twitter to try to see if other people feel how I feel because it's all negative. It's like all bad. Like I have read so much more negative about the Krakoa era of, of the X-Men than I have positive. And maybe that is maybe that just means that People don't like it, but like the books sell. So how could that be the case, right? Um, it can't be the case. It can't be the case. And you're buying this, you're buying the book. So why do you choose to speak about it so badly? And that's what kills me. I don't fucking understand people like that at all. I really don't. I really don't. Like there are so many, like the, the thing in recent memory that made me feel that way the most was the discourse around Falcon Winter Soldier. Where it was like every fucking week, I'd see the same people make the same comments about why they didn't like it. And I'm like, then stop fucking watching it. 
Like, why, like, or at least stop fucking tweeting about it. Like, who cares? Like, why are you developing, or, uh, not developing, devoting so much of your fucking time on this earth to bitching about shit you don't like on the internet? Like, absurd. I don't get it. I, I unfollowed a guy today because he liked something too much. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) That's, I mean,. That's where I'm at on the internet. I mean, I, I've I've legitimately unfollowed people who I like, like like journalists that I like, writers that I like, because I was tired of listening to them bitch about a thing, or tired of them like retweeting people and being like "fuck you," you know, and like it's starting constant. a fight. And it's just like, dude, like I don't need this. I don't it's need constant. this fucking negativity in my life. I really don't. Like I'm I'm fucking negative enough on my own. My <laughs> own fucking headspace is negative enough. During the Snyder Cut era of 2021 i was and i I don't even think this way but i was tempted to 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 stop going on twitter and i and i normally engage in social media divorced from what people are saying because i just really don't care this was the one one of the very few times where it started to impact me like holy shit why why are you doing this? Like, I'm, I'm excited about this thing. I log on Twitter and I'm just trying to be on Twitter and every tweet is about F Zack Snyder. He's a piece of garbage. This movie's gonna suck. No one's seen it. This movie's gonna suck. Um, it's terrible. It's shit. Blah, blah, blah. Like, so why am I here? I might as well get off this thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really frustrating that this is where we're at and it, it's so important. And, and this is, this is how I want to personally close out this conversation for myself. It's so important that you talk about the things that you like, that you hold up the things that you enjoy, uh, more than you discuss the things that you don't, because you got to consider how it affects you to talk negatively all the time. Don't assume that it doesn't because it does. It absolutely does affect you to always be negative, to always rag on something, to always be the contrarian, to always have a a, a gripe or a bitch about a thing. You got to get out of that. It's more important for you and the rest of the world that you highlight the things that you enjoy. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't talk about things that are wrong or bad, but there are a lot more things that are wrong or bad than who's writing whatever comic book. And those things actually need your voice. Mm-hmm. They really do. Mm-hmm. Like you really should talk about, you know, the bigger problems that exist, let's just say in America, um, than, you know, whether or not – You like uh, Batman right now. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. And we get on this podcast and we have those conversations, but this is a show and we're having a fun time mm-hmm. doing it. This is and escapism. Yes, we're goofy. Yeah. Right. And like don't get me wrong. I'm Like literally I think it was two weeks ago – we had a main topic on this podcast where I talked about how I'm like tight with Marvel, right? Like I'm annoyed with, with, with Marvel's storytelling. But I also this week am on this podcast telling you how I feel like I'm 15 again because of X-Men 20, you know? And that's the balance that la- is lacking on people's social media accounts and the discourse about these books. Yeah. Cause like you said, like there's nothing wrong with like having a discourse or a dialogue about a thing you didn't like. Like that's fine. It's, it's the like constant stream of just negativity. That is just like, yeah, and it's it's not productive. And and I think the thing that bothers me more than anything is like there is this real attitude um, that I think is 
particularly prevalent in our generation and a little bit older, where it's this idea that like being critical and negative is like valuable. It like, makes you interesting just, just, inherently. Yeah, inherently. Right. That that's exactly it, Phil. That it makes you interesting to like have a, have takes and critiques about uh, things. I hate take and I gotta culture. say take culture. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Shit. And I gotta say, I don't fucking care about your hot takes. I don't care about them. I'm happy to listen to your opinion. I don't ever want to hear a hot take ever again. Um, and <laughs> I, and 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 when it comes to the opinion side of things, there is nothing less interesting to me than a person whose entire identity is critiquing things. Like if if X is so shitty, tell me why Y is better. Because if you don't have that. If you can't point to the things that you're like, I stand by this, I champion this, I want to be out there celebrating this, then you're just a miserable fuck. And no one wants to talk to that person. Like, nobody wants to engage with that person. It's so much easier to champion the things that you like and that you are a fan of and talk about why they are, why they deserve more attention. I'm, I'm a thousand percent here for that discourse about whatever. Even if I don't fuck with it, tell me why you do. That's way more interesting. That is way, that is way more likely to spark a conversation that is illuminating. Yeah, a value of any kind of value, right? At the very least, we could walk away having an understanding of each other's tastes. That, you know, that used to be an old Simpsons joke where they would roast the fans. I would go online and just complain about every single episode, especially back when the show was good. And that's it's a comic book guy, right? A comic book guy, exactly. <laughs> Worst podcast ever. Yeah, Sean's <laughs> right. Like. Pop? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, duh. Right in, definitely not Sean's soapbox. Uh, pop culture and art are meant to be escapism, you know? Like, but the thing that I always circle back to is wrestling fans who watch wrestling every week with stuff they don't like. And it's just like, don't watch it. There's other things out there. Especially with wrestling, there's so many options for wrestling. It's the same thing with comics. You don't like Marvel, go read DC. You don't like DC, go read Image. You don't like Image, go read Boom. You don't like that, go read Manga. There's so much shit out there. Ditto for television and movies. There's just so much shit out there. Or like maybe just don't read it. Yes, like it, like saying. just don't. There's other things to do with your time. Go for a walk. Go work the out. The way the world, the world has changed in such a way that there's an uh, an overwhelming amount of things that you could possibly engage with. It's not like back in the day where like you just really just own like if comics were your thing, you only had Marvel and DC or and a slight few other things. And maybe your shop didn't carry them. So if the Flash was bad that month, that really sucked for you. Um, yeah. It's just not that way anymore, you know? And, and it's a different time. And the, the conversations, and Phil made a great point, the conversations always willfully, willfully or otherwise ignore the fact that there are comics that exist outside of the big two. I have found refuge uh, in those. Um, I probably pull more non-big two books than I do Marvel or DC books these days than ever before my life. And that's cool for me. That's working for me. Um, last point before we close the show. You had something, Kale? Yeah, I'll just, I'll make a quick anecdote yeah. and then we can close it. Cause it, it, it's a perfect bow on, on the whole of the conversation. So you go ahead and do yours. I was just going to say, uh, that's one of the reasons why I love our discord server so much. 
Because regardless of where you fall on that spectrum of, of how much you enjoy a thing, on our Discord server, the conversations about those things are always interesting, engaging, and nuanced. We've actually been able to cultivate a group of people on there who know how to have a conversation. And it's so much fun and it's refreshing. So when I'm looking for my, you know, for other people's thoughts, because, you know, I do, I, I said I don't care what people think. I do want to know how people feel about things. I do want to you know. Want to get I don't care what assholes think. I right, up. exactly. It's, um, I go to Discord now more than I go to Twitter when mm-hmm. it comes to comics and, and, and new movies and stuff. And because it's a smaller community of people that we're choosing, right? We're choosing them to be there. We, we've kicked people out before. Um, my favorite thing about our community is like we don't even really have to kick people out. Like every person who's ever come in like hot and been a douchebag, our fucking whole community just bullies the shit out of them until they leave. We do <laughs> just I mean, trolls. I've, I've, I've actually kicked people. We did ban that one motherfucker. Yeah, that's true. We do support <laughs> bullying. That's true. Yo, I'm just saying, if you if you're a bully, I'll bully you. That's what <laughs> So yeah, like maybe and, and this is just a general statement, maybe for you, if you're feeling how I'm feeling you should find a community that's not as broad as Twitter is uh, with like-minded individuals who want to actually talk and engage and not have to shove their entire thought process into however many characters Twitter allows you to use these days. Uh, maybe that's our Discord, but maybe it's not. Whatever it is, you should find that space and go thrive there because those pockets do exist 100%. And, and, and like Mark said – you know, if he's right, only 5% of the people who read comics are on Twitter. So don't shy away from books that you enjoy because of the negative discourse around them on social media. Keep liking what you like. Keep trying different things. Ignore people who talk trash because likely their lives suck and they don't have anything better to do. And they just want to be negative because they're negative people. Find what you like, support it, be a champion of it, like Pete said, and find other people who feel like you do. Kale, you got the last word. <clears throat> so the one time I've ever felt the most called out, <laughs> I worked a rugby game in New Zealand, and it was three in the morning. I'm leaving, and I happen to be leaving next to this uh, uh, this younger um, Kiwi woman, and she uh, she's bouncing around happy as can be and she so she asked how my night was man this this and this i hate this this and this and she went she went oh a grumpy american (laughs) how original (laughs) got your fucking ass dude she did your ass holy shit that's hilarious (laughs) wow okay don't be a grumpy american good stuff good advice uh that's going to do it for us on this show. Thank you so much for listening. I meant what I said when I said that our Discord server is a place that, you know, really cool people uh, have gotten together. And by the way, that's not exclusive to just men, you know, pals in general. That includes every kind of person, regardless of where you fall. And everyone's welcome and we're happy to have you. So uh, please do come hang out with us. I know that. The majority of people don't do things like that in general, but if you are inclined to be on Discord, if you're if you're that kind of person, I really truly believe that you will have a good time with us. Um, so you're welcome. Um, to, and if to you've come. never been in one before or whatever, like I think ours is a good one to 
dip your feet in. It's a small community of people who are nice. Absolutely. Um, Tell your friends about it too. Yeah, yeah. Even if you don't, if you don't listen to the show or whatever, that's fine. Like you're welcome. If you want to come talk comics you, and yeah. be nice, that's cool. <laughs> Definitely. So uh, come hang out with us. A link is in the description. If you don't know what that means, ask us on you know wherever, however you can ask us, and we'll send you a direct link uh, if you want to come hang out. Um, and uh, if you want to support us, if you want to help us out, make sure that you guys are hitting that follow button, leaving us a rating or a review wherever it is that you're listening to us. If that happens to be YouTube, subscribe for free, like the video, share it with your friends, drop us a comment. All those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. If you want to write into us, you can do so at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Uh, write in with your opinions, not takes, opinions, about uh, anything we talked about on this episode or any other of the Comics Pals. Make sure that you guys listen to our Jupiter's Legacy book club. That was a lot of fun. We hope you enjoy it. Take the Comics Pals Challenge. We challenge you, I challenge you to go look at our list of book clubs and find and not find a book that you have enjoyed. I think we've we've really hit across all spectrums. If you like comics, there has got to be a book we've done on there um, that you will like. So uh, take the challenge and... Um, uh, you know, write in and we'll definitely do your, we'll do your, um, we'll do your suggestion. So, uh, with that, let's get into the plugs. Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the comics pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. I will keep the negativity to a minimum. <laughs> uh, come chat with me about whatever you're excited about these days, because that's what I want to hear about. Uh, if you want to get some more stuff from me, you can go check out my band, Long Friend, Time Friend, uh, wherever you get your music. Our debut album, If Me Dies, Me Dies, is available. Um, we've got that cool vinyl thing that we're doing right now. So if you like vinyl, come get some vinyl, please. We need to sell some more. Uh, if you want to get some more uh, content from me, you can go check out the video game podcast. I do the podcast, post every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out. All right, Kale. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at KaleWord.com. That's C A L E W A R D.com. Um, man, I'm hitting manga hard. I wasn't into Kaiju number eight, and now I am. So I don't know. I'm watching Mob Psycho 100. I started uh, Haikyuu. Oh, I've heard uh, that's that, good. That, that volleyball anime. I don't know, man. Um, you can thank Mr. Marco Animoto for that, and uh, as well as Matt Murphy. Don't thank but, him. Um, yeah, I, we don't talk. Let's not talk about what he's tried to introduce me to. <laughs> Come join the Weeb Channel, <laughs> Dick Fight Island, Phil. Uh, that conversation has me feeling all warm inside. We do have such a nice show of pals. I'll tell you what. Uh. I'm interested in watching or reading Demon Slayer, so hit me up at Cyborg Bebop and uh, tell me why I should watch that, in your opinion. Uh, a few weeks ago, I expressed the fact that I had just finished uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I find that people keep sliding into my DMs with Evangelion content. So, clearly, whenever I mention I'm doing something here... Uh, People respond. So tell me why I should read or watch Demon Slayer, and maybe I'll give it a shot. Uh, and like I said, that's Cyborg Bebop, Twitter and Instagram. Is that really true? Yeah, it's true. People keep sliding my DMs about fucking Evangelion. Oh, wow. Well, you know, if you showed up in the Discord, we could also have Hey, I posted a banana there last week. Great. Last week, you posted one picture that's of right. a banana, 
after having not posted anything for a month. Yeah, I'm on a good track right now, folks. I'm see, listen, it's good for my mental health to be as offline as possible. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> offline from our curated <laughs> community. <laughs> Uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Soapbox. Uh, I actually just beat Resident Evil 8. Uh, speaking of things, you know, that we really enjoyed, I really loved that game, but now I don't know what to play. So hit me up with suggestions if you've got them. And, uh, Shall play Mass probably... Effect. Shall play Mass Effect. Oh, yeah, I could do that. Do it. That's a good game. Nah, I probably won't. It's so good. Uh, with that, we're the Comics Pile signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville. 